For Thursday, July 25th, 2019, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. And welcome to a very, very special episode of This Is Only a Test. I'm Norm. Let's get right to it. We have our full crew in today. Jeremy Williams. What up, Norm? How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good. I'm fully restored. Fully restored. You had a week away uh, in the great outdoors. Yes. Camp Samite. Camp Mather. Oh, yeah. We've, we've talked about Camp Mather before. Residents of San Francisco, one of the little known gems. Don't let the secret out, Norm. Well, we've done it already. Ah. I'm sorry. We've heard everyone's heard everything. It's true. Yeah, it's actually it's San Francisco land in Yosemite National. Right. It's right outside Yosemite National Park, and it was the land that was the camp that was actually used to erect the Hetch Hetchy Dam, which is where the city gets its natural drinking water. Mm-hmm. And this was o- over a hundred years ago. But they now use that same camp for a family camp, and the entire city is eligible to enter a lottery in late December, early January. And if you're chosen, you have the um, choice of paying to go to a Really, really reasonably priced week-long family camp, all meals, all activities included, wow. and it's a blast. No internet. Great. Which is... Disconnect. Yeah, which is great, actually. No VR headsets. That's getting to no be gigabit. more and more of a plus the older I get. Absolutely. Went on a retreat just like, uh, just like Jack, Jack Dorsey would. Well, also, here is Kishore. Hello. My uh, co-Comic-Con cohort. It's a miracle that neither of us have any con cred. That's right. The trick was not touching anything. What yeah. you, you left the show with no tchotchkes? No, no. no. Concrete oh, wow. is getting sick. Oh, the, I, the, I, the I, crud I, is the bacteria. Thank, wow. Wait, wait a. Wow. <laughs> Am I denegrating the tchotchkes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> our, the whole the whole point of the Comic Con experience. Uh, well, our or actually our unofficial big story this week. If the podcast sounds any different to you, it might even look different if you're watching the video. That's because we have new gear. Thanks to one Jeremy Williams here, we are now set up with a new audio mixer. What is this device? Well, it sounds like a promotion. We're not. This is not a promotion. No, you say. bought it. Yeah, you I, bought it. That's why. Thanks to you. It's the uh, Rodecaster Pro, and it's it's had so many pretty LEDs that I had to pick it up. <laughs> you got it because it was colorful. That's great. So it's got these eight pads, so we can play things. Um, and it, uh, sound effects, and it's got levels for all of our mics as well as inputs for Bluetooth and USB, and it basically consolidates about three different pieces of equipment that, that we, we were using, yes. including a headphone jack, um, it, all into one. A headphone mixer, yeah, yeah, that we would use to listen to ourselves. Uh, we previously recorded on a Zoom H6, which is still a great device and probably what we'll still be using for Still Untitled. Uh, but you saw this, and we haven't tested this, we are doing that right now. You literally opened the box this morning and set it up. Doing it live. And we're doing it live. So hopefully, we, well, at least it sounds great to us. The, the audio that we're hearing sounds great to us. Hopefully yeah. that will translate to you out there. Let us know. Yep, it's, let us know. It's the first of a couple exciting changes. Oh, God. We, every week we're going to have a, a, a new exciting change. Maybe for two weeks in a row. Well, we had a lot of podcasts to go over this week. I don't even want to hear about your great time at Camp Mather. Mather. Uh, because 
Uh, we get so much. Well, let's just get to our top story. Top story this week. There's what was a, that? There's that, a, that was weird. What was weird? Hearing that, that bumper in stereo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, now you have to render in stereo. Are Do you, I? Are you publishing I, in stereo? <laughs> Do I? Top Maybe. story. There's a <laughs> so new many. there's a new pinball machine in town. No, no, oh. no, no, no. Wrong segment. No. no. Oh god, it, it was so difficult to choose what the top story would be. This no, it wasn't. It's Picard. It's Star Trek. Picard. Now that was one of many things that happened at Comic Con, and we'll go through the whole Comic Con recap. And for those of you who are wondering, the Apollo 50 recap, we did an extensive 40-minute talk about that on a stone title this week. So we won't do as much of the Apollo talk on this show. Maybe well, none of us bit. were there. None so of us was... were there. We all, you know, acknowledge the anniversary. Kishore, you and I are hanging out, um, and, you know, uh, and, and, and acknowledge that while we were at Comic-Con, I'm sure, Jeremy, you and your family I watched. I watched clips. Clips, okay. Yeah. Uh, on the internet when we, All... when we found Wi-Fi for a moment. Oh, perfect, yeah. perfect. Uh, but from Comic-Con, the top story that we've chosen is the panel, the Star Trek Picard panel, and the new trailer. Now, how do you guys want to talk about this? Well, I think we should talk about our experience of it because that uh, the morning of the Picard Hall H panel, uh, we went to the Picard Museum, which was a pop-up set up uh, outside of Comic-Con. That's a video you can watch on Tested. You can watch on Tested. Uh, uh, Norm and I go through it, and basically you can watch our uh, slow descent into just fanboyism. Yeah. And by slow descent, I mean immediately upon entering the museum. <laughs> like We just fanboy all over this place. Why was there no one else in that museum? We got uh, go in like five minutes before they opened. Oh, okay. So we got special early press access. That was great. It was a long line. It was a massive line. Yeah, it was a couple hours long. And uh, that's great for CBS All Access. Now, the reason it was set up as the Picard Museum, we didn't realize until we chatted with the CBS folks, is because it's supposed to be an in-universe location that may even be in the show. And we'll get to the trailer. So we think that the museum idea of celebrating Picard's career is something that will be touched on in the show. I see. So I imagine that it's setting it up that Picard is retired. Yes. He's kind of he has been. Let's celebrate him. Exactly. Because he's over. And then we don't know why he might go back to the museum. If right. there's maybe an artifact there that has special like prominence or special relevance to the mission, the new mission, the new adventure he's on. Or it could just be this thing that like you said, it, it sets him as kind of a relic of of Starfleet. He's no longer in Starfleet in the new series. But for the purpose of this experience, they had not only wonderful miniatures of various ships, all the ships really that he's commanded from the Stargazer to Enterprise D, Galaxy Class, Enterprise E, even the captain's shot, something I didn't expect well, to be there at all. I think all. that might have been my favorite uh, miniature in, oh, totally. the, in the space, too. Which, yeah. which one? The captain's yacht, which is from... Uh, the Enterprise E. Oh, the undership. Yeah, the yes. undership. I didn't know that existed until I watched your video. Oh, good. I'm glad you. I, I, I wish you were there, Jeremy. I wish because you're a big fan of Next Generation. I knew you yeah. rewatched. You watched the whole show with your family, but uh, we were we were just dropping knowledge bombs, getting a few things wrong. We got a couple things wrong. Couple things wrong. So it was just heat the of the moment. Called the Inner Light, not your Inner Light. <laughs> oh, it is a whatever. Hugo Award winning episode. You know, I know it's called the Inner Light, but to me, it's I, it became a part uh, of my life, true. so I call it your Inner Light. Yeah, there's so so much talk about uh, some of the props people have pointed out weren't 
perfectly authentic. Now, we didn't indicate in the video whether these were screen use props, and some of them probably were probably not. Probably not. Yeah, the feeling was that they were either, some stuff maybe may have been loaned from the CBS archives, but a lot of stuff may have been stuff used for production that was brought in then, you know, to fill up this, uh, the new production, which weren't, wouldn't, wouldn't have been used in the 80s filming. I, I want to call it Captain Picard Day sign. That was still my favorite. Wonderful. Did that look like it was used in no. the trailer? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was in the trailer, yeah. but it wasn't. Uh, it was clearly a recreation of the the prop banner that was in uh, the Next Generation episode. And, and the wedding wedding uniform. That's great. The, oh, the, the white formal, one. Yeah, yeah. Just looks so good in person. You guys on, got the Ruskin some... flute. I think the flute is awesome to see. No, not, not again, not again. <laughs> I was most impressed. You know, by you the... don't hear this in the in the video, but Norm does this, and then like we're walking around maybe thirty seconds later, and the music comes on over like the speaker. It was cute, and he was right. Like he nailed. Of course, it he was right. I had like two tones off. I was impressed that you recognized the Dharma dagger. Oh come on! Well, he didn't. <laughs> a missed opportunity <laughs> for me to make a. I was waiting. A Kishore to... Norm at Comic Con. You know, right, exactly. some, some type exactly. of Darmok analogy. Yeah, I wanted Mott Saddle. I was very I, upset yeah. that Mott Saddle from the yeah. Baryon Sweep episode wasn't there. But yeah. you can't win them all. Uh, so uh, wonderful little, little mu- museum experience. And they had the Chateau Picard bottles of wine. Yeah. They had his new uh, whatever his uh, costume is for the new show, one of the costumes. But this was all before the panel. So we had no idea of the context of some of these props. We had no idea of all the revelations. Now, we will be talking about this trailer. In fact, we're going to talk about it right now. But those of you who want to avoid spoilers for the trailer should maybe skip ahead maybe 10 minutes or so because we will be going extensively into it. I don't know if people care about spoilers for TV shows as much as they do for movies, but there are spoilers in this trailer. Big I, ones. I haven't seen anybody avoiding the trailer. Like I went Even to, Joey watched the trailer. Yeah. For it, the TV show. Like, I checked out Reddit, uh, you know, the uh, Star Trek subreddit, and they were all doing crazy about oh, it. Oh, come on, Jeremy. Why not the Daystrom Institute subreddit? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where all the one. real conversation's Sorry. happening. So uh, there was a big Hall H panel in which they had the showrunners uh, uh, for Picard come out. They have Alex Kurtzman, who's kind of running the whole thing, Michael Shabon, uh, including some of the new cast members. Of course, Patrick Stewart was there. He talked at length about you know, what it was like to come back to the show. He got teary-eyed about filming the last scene with Jonathan Frakes and TNG and what it meant to really say goodbye in the moment and how they couldn't you know, keep it together. Uh, and then they played the trailer twice, and they brought out some familiar faces. Oh, yeah. So shall we... Go. How, how do you want to do this? Should we talk about I think the, we the should casting talk, first? We I think about, we should talk about the trailer first, and we'll talk about the um, the surprise names. Oh my god! Up. Okay, so I don't want to go too much scene by scene in the trailer, although we could. Well, I mean, like <laughs> I think where we should start with the trailer is that it, it picks off where the tr- teaser left off. We have a uh, a slightly disillusioned Picard at his chateau, and then the the woman comes, a yeah. mysterious figure. So he's disillusioned because he's retired from Starfleet and clearly unhappy. And for those of you who uh, – Chateau Picard is referenced multiple times. It's an established – it's where the Picard family in France has had their vineyard. They drink from the Chateau Picard wine in a deleted scene from Nemesis. It's where his brother Robert and his nephew Rene – that's where he went after he uh, – the recovery, season four, episode two, uh, when he goes back to the vineyard to recover after being – 
rescued as uh, from his simulation from the, by the Borg. Uh, and, and then also in Star Trek Generations, it's of course mentioned that his family has perished in a fire. It's a big uh, dramatic moment for him. It's one of the things that as he enters the Nexus, he thinks about one of the few regrets he has in his life, not being, uh, devoting to his family, devoting his career, his life to Starfleet and not getting married, not having children and the legacy of the Picard family line kind of ending with him. Um, and then also in All Good Things, when they flash forward to the future, the alternate reality future, which isn't technically canon, he is down the line, he is back on the vineyard as well. So that is a, a touchstone for Star Trek fans, but clearly he is unhappy there. Well, that's the new information. Like yes. every time it's been referred to, it's been a retirement. It's been relaxing. It's been, you know, the end of a career. But now he's, he's a little melancholy, and it turns out it's a little bit, it seems mostly because it's Lieutenant Data. Well, he talks about the, the 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, uh, the, one of the biggest, big regrets that he had. Well, Data, spoilers, sacrificed himself uh, at the end of Star Trek Nemesis on uh, uh, Shinzon's ship, the scimitar. scimitar, which exploded. So the question is, the drawer that's pulled out in these parts, is that Data? That's be- got to be B4. So why is B4 disassembled? What's B4? B4 was the oh, you, you other... Have, have you not seen Nemesis? Um, I've, I know I haven't seen all... I saw the end. So, okay. Well, oh, did, we just have to just. So yeah, yeah. Noonie and Sung made another data-like robot mm-hmm. called B four, uh, and it was used to lure um, the uh, Picard and Data to a location where they got captured, and Data poses as B four to infiltrate the Scimitar, um, uh, t- leading to the climactic scene where he blows up the scimitar. So whereas Sung-type androids, the known ones, there are only a few. You know, you have Data, you have Lore, the villain Lore from... Data's brother. Uh, Data Lore, and also Descent, part one, part two, um, which I believe will come in, back into the series, the connections there. Mm-hmm. But also, B4 was a earlier version, or a, a not as advanced version as Data. It's what looked like Data didn't have as much of the cognitive skills, and the even though the character data does die in Nemesis, before he does, he downloads his memory engrams into B4. And so one of the last scenes in Nemesis is Picard telling B4 about his brother, Data. And then some of... Wow. So it's, it's a separate character. It's like Spock transferring his self into bones. And, and a little bit of the uh, of Data's memories start coming back as B4 starts singing a song. And so the question is... All right. Does Data live on in B4? Yeah. Or is this kind of like a Trill thing where it's a separate entity but has Data's memories? Now, what does that death mean? We don't know because it's never been explored because we never have anything post-Star Trek Nemesis. So don't know who's in a drawer, B4 <laughs> or Data. He's talking to Allison Pill, B4. one of the new characters. Okay, it's B4. Uh, and then he meets a new character, this woman. And the woman says she's drawn to Picard. Uh, but when we see her throughout the trailer, uh, the big speculation is who is she? Right. She's in the scene where you see Romulans that look like they're in maybe a Borg cube, and they're maybe looking over a lot of There's, uh, humans or other species. Yeah, it it's, occurs as if that's a prison of some sort. And or there's a rehabilitation sign, center or the detention a, facility. There's a sign that says it's been like 5,000 days since the last assimilation. Yeah, 16 years or so. So Borg are involved. The Borg are 100% involved. Now... The question is, is she 
Borg. One, a Borg, like a de-assimilated Borg. Or two, does she have a connection to the Borg queen? Is she a new queen? Some people have speculated she might be an android. Well, now, why be... would Picard recognize her? Picard felt a connection to her. Didn't say she recognized her. He feels like, he, he says at one point, if she is who I think she is, then mm-hmm. she's in great danger. Well, I think that's the mystery of the first season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who, well, who is she and why is she important? Don't you think we'll find out who he thinks she is in episode one? No. Probably not episode one. Really? Like, the, the import, her importance will probably become clear halfway through the series, and maybe there'll be some twists and turns, because you have toward the end of the trailer one of the Romulans saying that she is the destroyer. Like, she is going to be... And a lot of speculation as to maybe she is... Because at the end of Voyager, and this is the first time Next Generation will tie to the events of Voyager, at the end of Voyager, Endgame was the episode. They destroy the, the Borg network. One mm. of the last things that Jane, future Jan, Janeway does is... Um, see the Borg with a virus. And so the Borg cube that we see kind of disassembled in this trailer could be like what if the one of the Borg cubes was captured, was captured and what's, gonna, what's been going on with the Romulans and Starfleet now that the Borg is dormant. Uh, some speculation also is that this could have been the Borg cube that was asleep after um, after the episode of Best of Both Worlds mm. um, because the, the command that Lacuta sends to the cube is sleep. Of course, if you watch the Star Trek 2009 series and the, the uh, material in the comic no, books... No, that cube blew up. Oh, that one did blow up. You're right, you're right. Um, but in Star Trek 2009, Nero, right, one of the reasons that Nero's ship is so powerful is because it also has Borg technology in it. But that's, I'm not sure how can, canonical that is because that was in the comic books leading up to that series. So the Romulans have been experimenting with Borg technology. That's yeah. been set up. And we see a, a, a new-ish version of a Romulan ship um, throughout this. That's like It looks a little more like bird of prey Klingon type ship. I think we see it in pieces of Nemesis. Yes, what yes. you're pointing out on the screen, Jeremy, mm. is a Romulan ship. Big question, what's the planet? Yeah, so this is a question I, I was going to ask you. Is Romulus destroyed? Yes. I think this, the, what was set up in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek was that Romulus was destroyed. And I thought when Picard talks about one of the failures in his life, I thought he was going to refer to the re, uh, unification mm-hmm. failure. Because Wait a minute now. I thought the J.J. verse was split. It was split at the point where Nero time-traveled to the past. Oh, but you're saying Romulus is destroyed before then? Yes. The reason he time travels to the past to get revenge on Spock is because Spock failed to save Romulus. Oh, which would have happened in the prime time. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So Romulus is destroyed, and in I guess in the Star Trek online lore, after the destruction of Romulus, the Romulan people split between the Tal Shiar, which was led under... Um, uh, Tashiar's, Tashiar's daughter, daughter. Sila, uh, and then also a more P, uh, Federation-loving faction of the Romulans. Don't know if they're going to go that direction. So there's here. some speculation that they're approaching Vulcan. Vulcan, it's red, right? Huh? Yes, it would make sense. It but, could make sense. I, yeah. I, you know, I, it could just be them resettling somewhere. It, it, I, I could see it going both ways. Don't know if they're going to go with the unification storyline. It seems like they're more going toward the Borg storyline and that being the legacy, the, the thing that Picard is wrangling with because that does tie to androids. You know, you have connection with Data and the Borg and why the Borg wanted Data in Star Trek First Contact. Um, and also you have some of the Romulan stuff because they've been experimenting with the Borg technology. It, it actually uh, brings up, I think, the best line in the trailer. Well, second best line. 
uh, is the Romulan like commander, whoever she is, uh, saying like, "You may have forgotten who you are, but we do not." I really like that line because it sets up. The, I think what the best parts of TNG were were uh, when he was in conflict with the Romulans. The Romulans are very different. They don't have the big shoulder pads anymore. They yeah. don't have the the ridges on their forehead. Um, in some of them, uh, they look a little more desperate and maybe even a little more lost, which is maybe what you would expect uh, when you have your home planet destroyed. So Picard has a new crew. He needs a, a new crew to help him on this mission, mm-hmm. uh, to help this woman, this mysterious woman. He seems uh, to have a couple humans and yep, a Vulcan. A Vulcan, like a, a warrior Vulcan. That's kind of cool. Samurai Vulcan, I think. Yeah, with the sword. And I, I like this. Don't know that character. Probably the muscle, right? Like It'll be his, his wharf, maybe, a little bit. Michael Dorn has not been confirmed to be on this show, so I don't think we'll see Klingons because Star Trek Discovery, with their version of the Klingons, they probably want to not confuse the new audience. That, that would be much. a huge surprise. Because there are characters who aren't mentioned in the trailer who have been confirmed. Yes, yeah, so uh, confirmed also Jonathan Frakes not only directing the episode, but the characters of Riker and also Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy, will be there in some form. They, they have filmed, filmed their roles Hopefully already. Hopefully it's something where he visits them. Well, and they're not main characters. We've got to have some traditional Federation starships, right? This the the bridge that we see. This is more of a Marauder, more of a more of a um, like a like more of a Millennium Falcon, right? It's, it's more of a bounty, uh, not a sanctioned no, mission right? that yeah, he's exactly. going on. It's more of a rogue ship, smaller mm. ship. So we got to see more traditional, st- and maybe it's the USS Titan, which is the ship that Riker and Troy left for at the end of Nemesis. No, no. Although no. this would have been twenty years later. He's going to go talk to them as friends. Admiral Riker also retired. You don't think Riker would have... He waited waited like 15 years to command a ship. Yeah. Happily. Yeah. yeah. But he, he, he was deserving of his own command. Uh, so... Fast forwarding to the big first, big first surprise. First big surprise. Picard in the trailer goes back to... Or he visits someone. I think he's in his chateau. He is in chateau? Oh, you think, think she's so. visiting well, him? Yes. Well, but she says, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Saving the galaxy, so here implies that they're not. He's not at home. Well, he might be, but it is seven of nine. Jerry Ryan, dun, dun, dun. Annika, I forget her last Annika name. Annika Hansen, Annika, Annika and I Hansen. think she's playing Annika Hansen based off her language. She doesn't have a seven of nine cadence. To this her is voice. the great growth. This is twenty years after Voyager. You know, she has reassimilated into human culture. And I, I love that take on the performance. Yeah, I mean, her hair is down. She it, had a more natural kind of uh, human conversational tone. Correct me if I'm wrong, but these characters have never met. They have never met on camera. It's, um, I mean, it, it, this is a stroke of genius, I think, on the productionist part to bring in the world of Voyager, which a lot of people love, um, but a lot of people... Skipped. Skipped, of course. Uh, but probably aside from... The episodes of Next Gen had the biggest connection to the Borg as a whole. Right. And I hope it's not the only cast member of Voyager. Now, tell me just briefly, how did she become a member of Starfleet? So the, the long story short is uh, in the mid-series of Voyager, uh, as they were doing some recasting, they phased out one of the characters and they brought inside the re- higher new Actor and actress in this case, the storyline is such that there was a uh, uneasy truce with the Borg that the uh, that Voyager needed to ally with the Borg to fight a new organic species that the Borg could not assimilate, species eight four seven two, and uh, 
as part of this pact, the Borg sent over a representative, and that became uh, was Seven of Nine. She was in full Borg makeup, and the Borg. She, she was a human whose parents were studying the Borg, and they had been assimilated and assimilated her. So she was fully assimilated. Yes, um, and uh, and then um, near the end of the episode. Uh, maybe it was a two-parter, I forget. Uh, the Borg betrayed them, but it was a, it was a plan. They knew it was going to be a trap, and so they, of course, infil- you know, used Seven of Nine as a conduit to reverse that betrayal and disconnected Seven of Nine from the collective. Hmm. And then so she was stranded, and then sh- so she became kind of like the Data character in Voyager, even though they had uh, the Doctor already as the hologram learning to be human, but it became her. So was she ever? Was she ever as human as she was in no. this trailer in the show? Yeah, I mean, very no, soon. I, only I mean, in one episode was she ever like that, and that was where there was a, a like a bored dream world. No, no, no. I, I think Jeremy's talking about was she ever just like looking like a human with one, and like for the vast majority of the series, I she mean, looks like a human with the one eyepiece. Yes, but she has like she has her hair kind of tied back, and she's no, no, not physically. I mean more than the data's emotional chip sense. Oh, no, no. She no. never performatively Only in was, one episode. Which never portrayal, yeah. She was always very stiff and very... So do you expect to see that explained, or is that just a natural evolution? I think it's a natural evolution of the character, mm. which is a great... I don't think it needs ex- explanation. Okay. Like, she is back on Earth. She was shifting in that direction throughout the series. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't need an emotion ship. She has that. Right. It's built into her biology. So uh, you have seven of nine. I, I I love that she's there. I love that she's a big part of the show. It makes sense in the context of a Borg storyline. She would have known about Picard as Locutus, though. That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a very good point. Right. And then we see some cutscenes, and it looks like the Romulans are taking like a chip out of a former Borg. Like they had it on an autopsy table. I think that was a really interesting, like really cutaway scene. Well, the other big thing is who that Borg is, and the speculation is that is the second returning cast member. Uh, it's Hugh of Borg. Yeah, Jonathan I Del Arco. I didn't recognize him. I, I read about that. And I, I remembered him. I love that episode. So from I Borg. Uh, he was one of the ones that it is a legacy of Picard. One of the decisions he made as captain of the Enterprise was to let Hugh go back to the collective well, as opposed to, to to use him in a sense, right? So no? th- he had a little bit of individuality, but they felt like maybe it was like their version of the prime director. They they felt like they couldn't mm-hmm. completely liberate it. Their hope was that his individuality would spread throughout the collective, like and then you would like f- a virus, right? And then you found out in data lore that it did to only a certain extent, but they were leaderless, and that's where lore. S- Sees on the opportunity to commandeer his own group, uh, army of, of Borg soldiers. So Hugh is back. Love that. Yeah, I bet he does I, too. <laughs> I like it. I mean, it really is going to depend on execution uh, w- uh, with this. If it's part of a storyline where they're they're weaving in that individuality into how the Romulans are are, are trying to use this, great. If Hugh is like a main focal character. I'm less sure because it's not as developed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's room for development. I, I do think, I do like that of the things they're pulling back, all the things that happened, all the consequences of all the actions that they did in Next Generation, they're pulling yeah. back things like you. And then, then we get the single best line of this trailer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What are you talking about? There's only one line that matters <laughs> in this trailer. We're getting the captain to say it again. He says, engage. Oh, you like that? 
Yeah, okay. you know, another, another missed opportunity is went to the museum and we saw the next-gen outfit. Was That was the version that he wore, which had it was not the jumpsuit, and there was an opportunity to make a Picard maneuver. Oh, so, like do a... The tug. Yeah, you know about this, right? <laughs> the Picard maneuver is a thing in the Star Trek Next Gen pinball. So I don't know what you're talking about. So in Star Trek canon, his... the Picard maneuver was, uh, I forget the name of the episode, but it is a maneuver named after him. He was the first person to use it when he was in command, I believe, of the Stargazer. And it was him attacking two Ferengis, or Ferengis attacking him. Really? And he used, the, he lights, he did a short light speed jump so that the ship looked like it appeared in two places at once mm-hmm. because the ship moved faster than the light from the sh- the, okay. where it was previously, hmm. which confused the Ferengi. And, and so that maneuver in which you, using faster and light travel to make it look like you're in multiple places at once is called the Picard maneuver. And but Star Trek fans colloquially also referred to the action of Patrick Stewart, the actor, tugging on his shirt as the Picard maneuver. Funny. As he stands up from his captain's chair and, and does a little tug. In the I pin- thought we were gonna get a nod to that or the face palm. Yeah. Picard face palm. In the pinball machine, it's the left orbit to the upper ramp and okay. it's, it's a two flipper shot that's re- that's the most difficult shot in the game oh so there you go wow i'm surprised it's not like, like a uh, multi-ball right having two balls yeah. in two places yeah uh, that's a good idea yeah. that's a good point uh so he says engage he's very happy it's 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 total fan service yep. i don't care yep fan service and then there's a uh, a post trailer stinger well, this is the big what, moment. This is the big moment. This is the big this, moment. This is what trailer. I thought you were talking about. I thought the no, best no, no. line. The, the best, best line, line is what he says in Engage. This is the moment of the trailer. Okay. And you see Picard holding these playing cards, yeah. and he says, I don't want the game to end. Yeah. And he says it better than that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> and then it cuts to Brent Spider playing. Exactly. Is it Data? Yeah. Is it B4? And he is, says, is it a holodeck? Is it a holodeck representation? That's a very good point. Because while he has the uh, the dicky, the yellow dicky that, that's of uh, that, that era and not the new Star Trek uniforms that we get a small, ever small glimpse of uh, in the shot where Picard's walking toward, quote unquote, Starfleet headquarters, Anaheim Convention Center, uh, you also see a little bit of the gray underneath. So it could be a representation of data as he was in, in the last time Picard knew him. Star Trek Nemesis. I do think my theory is that because of the makeup and special effects required to get Brent Spiner, and I was so skeptical of this. I mean, I said in the podcast, I didn't think they were going to bring Data back because oh, yeah. Brent Spiner looks old, right? He's, he is old. Yeah. Older. They're all older. older. Yeah. Yep. But to get him to look like a an android as he did 25 years ago. Do you think they did that? They got close. I there th- was one big problem. His cheeks. A yeah. little, little fatter. A little, little, little but I understand. Like I, I read the subreddit and not yours, but the the little guys on, mm-hmm. on Star Trek. Yeah, the more mainstream one. Yeah, they they were saying that Data has an aging program, and they he's used it in the past. Yeah, he gave himself a white lock of hair in yeah. the last episode when he was professor. So That's true. It's That's possible. True. Yeah, I, I feel like because of the the cost of what it would take to do those scenes with Brent Spiner, uh, that it feels like it's. It's a, a, a location they're going to come back to, like a flashback sequence or like a, a, a touchstone yeah. for you know this ongoing conversations he's had as a way to, to wrestle with his guilt or wrestle with his angst it, in, in letting Data die. It struck himself. me as 
I, I like the holodeck idea. It struck me as if he was visiting somebody in a hospital. Like a psychiatric ward, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, visiting an old friend, and, and the holodeck kind of makes sense for that. Like, he has, in one of the ways in which he might, and, and B4 could have been the stand-in for this, right? He could have been, like, yeah. you know, chatting with B4 as a way to reconnect with Data, as a way to, to kind of go through therapy. But what he means is he doesn't want to say goodbye. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So do you see this as a, Data's a character, but not an, a character? crucial character exactly in the he's not going to be on the ship with him going on adventures i think it's going to be more the reflective moment i like the holodeck idea though because yeah. then they can bring him in yeah i would like that mm-hmm. there's rumors that this 10 episode <laughs> arc is not going to be just uh uh it they yeah. they could run this for three seasons or so in which case would patrick stewart want to do it for three seasons I mean, I feel like Patrick Stewart's at an age where he just do whatever he wants, right? I mean, the show's called Picard, so you couldn't do it without him. <laughs> no. And I wouldn't want them to do something silly like, you know, have him de-aged or no. replaced at the end. Although, here's the, the other thing, and I, I really hope like, the, they don't do this. The other prevailing theory is that she is a Picard, that... The, oh, really? Like the, the character, the, if the if one of the themes is Picard having no legacy and being the last Picard, what would it mean for him to find someone who is could carry on his name? And it would be almost like a granddaughter. Like the one of the theories that she is Shinzon's daughter, Shinzon being uh, his clone that was in Star Trek Nemesis, which was kind of like not only a reflection of him, but also like his the son he never had. Kind of seen Nemesis. It. We'll so, just end by saying, I'm so hyped about this well, show. Like, I was, I have been holding out on signing up for CBS All Access. Yeah, me too. This is, uh, like, I was ready to throw fistfuls of money at them after seeing this trailer. That's not, you guys haven't mentioned the most interesting theory, most compelling theory I've heard about who she is. And that's that she is uh, Data's creation. She is Lau. Lau. Yeah. Right. Yes. It doesn't look like Lau. A little bit she does. Brunette, you know, kind of bob haircut? No. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if the time lines up right, because she would have been probably a bit older. But Lau would be an android and would not, would not grow either. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I think that's too deep a cut. It would explain why she can take out those Borg so well. Well, also, she also being past Borg or being some genetically altered character would also explain that. And, and if she was... The daughter of Shinzon. Again, this is a far-fetched, you know, dart of the wall theory. Uh, she would be the theoretical heir to the Romulan Empire. What? Shinzon was positioned as as the leader. Wow. Because he, he was leader of the Remans. Yeah. <sighs> it also would uh, give us an understanding of why that why that one Romulan thinks she's, she's the a destroyer. destroyer. Exactly. Exactly. So when did we get to watch this show? So this was the one disappointing thing from the panel. We had previously thought this would be uh, the show is filming now and that we'd see it by the end of this year. It, it will not be released until 2020. What time in 2020? Don't know. Don't know? Don't know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it could be uh, after Discovery Season 3 type thing. If Discovery Season 3 is already in production, there's well, a lot going on. I mean, what I'm hoping it isn't is that they would release it in the summer after CBS's, like, you know, normal slate yeah. kind of goes through its finales just to, like, transition them into 
CBS All Access. I'm sure they'll release it whenever the metrics say people are most likely to watch. So this also, uh, the one good news about its delay is that they're going to do short treks, which is what they, these little vignette stories. These do not intrigue me. Did you not watch the ones for Discovery? No. Oh, they were good. These don't look that great. Like the Tribbles one, uh, it just didn't look. Well, they're doing short treks for between Discovery as well to bring back the cast of uh, Discovery, the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, And then they're going to do short treks to, and I think for the Picard ones, you're going to be more interested because that's going to help fill out some of the backstory of setting up where he is. Think of it as little prequel okay. stories. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize the they were going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and this will this will help whet our appetite until until the, the series comes out. So that's Picard. That's our top story. But let's get to, well, the other big segment. We should have little labels on the I know. Buttons, <laughs> right? just a little, I don't know which one is which. I just realized they're out of order. So, yeah, that's important. That's <laughs> little, important. Little labels, maybe just, uh, just acronyms or something. Uh, but in the pop culture news, well, it is still Comic-Con. Uh, there, were, there were trailers to talk about. There's the big Marvel panel to talk about. I'll give some quick recaps from the show floor. The show floor was packed and amazing as always. Kishore, you and I got a chance to tour it and walk and hang out some booths. Uh, any highlights for you you want to talk about? Uh, well, I'll first say the, the Comic-Con Museum pop-up I thought was really enjoyable seeing all those Batman costumes together, seeing the Batman black and whites. On the show floor, the Unicron. <laughs> the HasLab Holy Unicron. Crap. You saw this, Jeremy? You guys are just speaking a different language. So this is a Hasbro has a license for Transformers. Transformers. Do you remember last year when Hasbro did that? Uh, it was not really a crowdfunding campaign, but like a pre-order campaign for Jabba's uh, barge, yeah. where it was a very expensive, big d- display set, but they needed a certain number of people, a couple thousand people to pre-order it in order for them to actually make the tooling and, and manufacture it. They're doing the same thing, but with the planet-sized transformer of Unicron. And so it's a two-and-a-half-foot diameter a, model. Unicron, dude? I, I've watched it's from the, the tra- movie. Okay, thank you. I'm glad I didn't. And so a giant transformer sphere with all these Greeblies and it actually transforms into a tall, with a display stand, massive transformer. How massive? It was like big. Two and a half feet tall. Okay. Yeah. It was massive. And like when you looked at it in the case, you're like, how is that going to transform? And then they had another one that was transformed. You're, it was shocking. Is this it? No, 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 no. Much bigger, eh? Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought that was the most impressive toy. The prop store stuff, seeing... Um, uh, the self-lacing boots and seeing underneath them how they like would pull the laces for, for the Back to the Future laces. Uh, that R2 that was there, the all-aluminum one, um, uh, was pretty spectacular. Uh, seeing some just like indie artist friends uh, was uh, was really great too. How yeah. about you? Yeah, I mean, great to see uh, you know Dave Peterson and uh, great to say hi to a bunch of Folks on the floor from the R2 Builders Club to Tom Spina. Uh, I will completely agree. The Comic-Con Museum wowed me. Like, they sold me on this idea. I was kind of skeptical. Like, you know, why does San Diego need a museum of pop culture? And could it live up to 
some of the other like museums that we've seen that have you know movie posters and stuff. Well, uh, Wait, they have is this, this, is this a little subset of Comic Con? No, no, it's 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 so it was an off-site pop-up. Okay. And it's in Balboa Park, which is close to the San Diego Zoo. So about a 10-minute cab ride from the main convention center. Yeah, like center. all the major San Diego museums are in this park. Right, next to their their uh, space museum or science museum. But it's this, like, I'm not sure if a three- or four-story building, but they it's they have the location. And the museum is opening in May 2021, but they opened up the space to celebrate the 80th anniversary of Batman and a couple of things to show what it would be like with this museum populated with oh, artifacts. Okay. And it was so cool. They had two Batmobiles. They had like eight costumes from Batman. They had a whole Batcave built on the floor with the history of Batman video games. They had the whole hundred collection of Batman black and white figures. And then they had this Her Universe beautiful fashion Those were um, exquisite. exhibit where there were like two dozen amazing dresses that were all designed and fabricated by different different uh, designers. Uh, and it all it was so cool. It felt like the Diego Museum, but pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that was only running for the duration. And then that's where the Batman VR um, gotcha. skydiving. But you didn't get a chance. We to didn't do get. That. that was a huge line. They had a whole. Uh, it was outdoor, but it was technically one of those indoor skydiving rigs where they have a big. Um, yeah. It also turbine. didn't seem that cool. But they put people in yeah. in um, Batman branded like jumpsuits. Uh, jumpsuits. And and then in a VR headset, and you'd be able to simulate Batman off a perch, jumping off a perch, and sky and diving into Gotham City. Got it. Uh, so that was super cool. The museum, uh, of course, Picard Museum was super cool. We did the Orville thing. I did the first night uh, with Gunther, which is the props on the show. Oh, the a couple things I did after you left. Uh, I went on the Rosinante. Um, the Amazon had a pop up, and you could climb aboard that ship from the Expanse, and that was actually pretty cool. Like. The doors would slide open a la Star Trek, and you'd walk down like a little hallway. Um, uh, I was on a Spider-Man panel that was really, really a lot of fun with um, some science YouTubers. Uh, That was great. And then uh, there are a couple cosplays after you left that were really enjoyable. Like, I think my favorite of the show was this Ghidorah Mm. uh, with three different heads that you can control. Yeah, I mean, but they were inside of it. Like, so they were one of the heads and then puppeting the other two. Uh, and then it was like it's a pretty simple cosplay, but I enjoyed it. There was a guy that, doing a Reed Richards, where he built two extra long arms, and he would put his hands in it and control them. And so he had stretch arms. Um, I'm, I'm curious what that looks and like. And he like he had a couple poses that looked pretty good. Okay, okay, and not like the thing. It wasn't like a distorted, grotesque no. version. Okay. Uh, one thing we missed uh, is Lin Manuel Miranda was there promoting oh, a show. His Dark Materials and. He did an incognito. What? He, what did he walk as? Deadpool, unfortunately. Uh. But I mean, if you're going to be uh, incognito, I guess that's one way to go. Was he All talking right. to people? Yeah, there's there's a lot of you know fan photos where he would like surprise people. Did he? Did anybody wow. figure it out? I have no. I have no idea. He might I have revealed seen himself to sound like to the people on the show floor. Then that's funny. Wow. And well, at Comic Con, uh, a lot of great toys there. We stopped at the Mondo booth, the Sideshow booth. Uh, one that I didn't spend enough time with, I really wanted to. After seeing it, was the Gundam that this metal uh, Gundam metal? Uh, what is it called? Metal structure Gundam, nine hundred and fifty dollars, but has like metal interior parts, a whole gantry. It was so beautiful. People were just like drooling over it. Um, but trailers, there are a lot of. Well, hold TV. on, what did you do? You come away with some toys? Did you buy some things? 
I bought a few things. I bought some stuff for for home. You know, bought, bought Danica a few things for her. Yeah. I, I I spotted things that I knew I would get online later. I see. I didn't want to have to lug things back, and I, I didn't buy any posters this year. I did the same. Uh, I bought a a diecast DS9, which I've always wanted yeah. for a while. Yeah, the ship, hero collector, no, uh, I mean the, the space, space station. station. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Uh, so a lot of movie trailers and TV trailers drop. We're just gonna run through them and kind of set up what we think. Um, and first one, The Witcher. So this is Netflix's big show. Thumbs down. I thought the trailer looked stupid. Oh, no. This is Henry Cavill as... Uh, I think it's more evidence that Henry Cavill has problem with facial hair of, of, of every kind. The oh. wig, I thought, looks <laughs> like I thought he looked horrible. fine. I thought it looked pretty bad. Did you guys play The Witcher? No. So this one's based on the books, not the video game series. Although uh, Henry Cavill's a big fan of the video game series, he really lobbied to play Geralt, the main character. You know, it's about um, magicians, or you know, it's a fantasy story, but they have like magic powers, and uh, they they're positioning it as their Netflix's Game of Thrones. So big, very big budget, a lot of effects. Whole trailer is basically like, yes, there's magic, and and but there's all these monsters out there, and we only see one monster. Yeah, but it didn't look that good. The monster didn't look that good. I think that's where the effects maybe could need a little more. Work. That's why I was disappointed. Well, you guys have also gone through what seven seasons of Game of Thrones, and like they've evolved and spent more yeah, and more money totally, on it. So totally. this is a first first. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, uh, next up, uh, Snowpiercer. This is from TBS. Uh, it looks to be kind of a super. Snowpiercer was not only was there Chris Evans movie, but there was it was based on a comic book, and this one. Seems like they're retreading over a lot of the movie, but then introducing things that were in the comic book that were not in the movie. So the, Stavi Diggs playing the character that Chris Evans plays. Super quick conceit is uh, apocalyptic event in the world. Everyone that's alive is aboard this train that's moving through, and like the landscape around them is all frozen. It's like minus one hundred degrees. Outside. Everyone alive on the planet is on the train. It's like a couple, it's like three thousand people on the train, <laughs> and it is a very literal, like front of train, back of train, like class warfare. Class warfare, yeah. exactly. The, the folks that live on the back of the train. Where are they going? They just got to keep going around the world. Uh, keep on moving. Otherwise, they die. Otherwise, they die. It's like Freeze speed. That's mm -hmm. right. All Except right. the last of humanity. Is Dennis and, Hopper in it? <laughs> well, that's funny. He's mentioned that uh, Ed Harris played uh, the guy who runs the train in the movie. I don't know who was cast to do that, but uh, wait, this Jennifer, was this was a movie. It was a movie called Snowpiercer with the yeah. same idea. With it's, the same idea, Chris actually, Evans, Captain America. Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad movie. I actually, <laughs> I, I thought it was it. fine. Really, as a great Korean director, it was very offbeat. This I, has a pretty good cast too. David Diggs, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly, Connelly plays the antagonist, man antagonist. Uh, the woman who plays uh, Martha from the Americans, I forget her name, but she plays the Tilda Swinton character, uh, and it's like it's 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 total sci-fi, sci-fi world building. Uh, I don't know how they're going to make this a series. Yeah, I don't get that either. If it's a limited run series where it's just like ten episodes, right? I can see that, but I don't see how they make it in a multiple season. That's yeah. TBS. It's a big budget for TBS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big show for them. I think this is. They had some problems. I know. When the show was originally announced, they had a whole different writing team, different showrunner, and they kind of revamped it and probably revamped it to be more like the movie. Um, so some people aren't thrilled about that. Mm. Uh, HBO, they need their next Game of Thrones. They need their next big genre series, their next big literary adaptation. And so they have 
His Dark Materials. This is a three-book series of which, we again, we already had a movie. It was The Golden Compass. Mm-hmm. And so this is the TV version of The Golden Compass movie. I'm a little surprised by it. So The Golden Compass is kind of a YA, even kids kind of novel. The two protagonists are two coming-of-age kids traveling through parallel universes. That's sort of the conceit of the of the book. And so that that storyline doesn't strike me as HBO. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just used to like adult gritty, you know, kind of out there stuff for HBO and Golden Compass uh, feels more fantastical and at points light. Well, the what's trailer that? does not indicate does that. Does not look light. Does trailer not look looks, light. Looks dark. I have never I have not read these novels, but I after watching this, I looked into them and they're very highly regarded. Yeah. Uh so I bought the first one for my son. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's been on a reading torrent this summer, so hopefully that, that'll be good. And this is the show that Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. plays the Sam Elliott character, I believe, from the movie. He's a Texan that has like uh, air airships, so he plays a little bit of a fantastical character. James McAvoy's in it, uh, and the girl from uh, Logan, mm. she's the, the main lead. Mm. Uh, Daphne, I believe, Daphne something is her, is her name. Something that's definitely more adult, more serious. We also had, well, two... Shows two other shows from HBO. One, Westworld season three. They should just take come the out next w- year. They should take the world west out of Westworld because there's nothing west there's about no it anymore. Western. Big revelation in this trailer that there is more park, and one of the parks is a World War II Nazi Germany park, and that's where Maeve finds herself. This trailer is nuts. Uh, like it is, you you're back and forth between you know modern cities, 1940s Nazi Germany. Uh, it is. I didn't know what to expect, but no. I didn't expect this. It seems like uh, the um, Jeffrey Wright character is like he's being billed as the antagonist. Like it's going to be Dolores versus Bernard, I think. And and if you thought the the first two seasons, like the first season was a great premise and you could jump in second season, you kind of need to know what happened. This third season is going to be inscrutable for people who have not watched any of Westworld. Like this for, for fans, they know they have a massive following. They want people to watch the first couple, the first two seasons. And so they're doubling down. They're playing on, up the action. On the high too. concept. Yeah. Yeah. It seems less sort of plotting and about sort of the philosophy here. And how long More is it between two and three seasons? Two and three is a long two time. Years. A couple of years. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, well, something that maybe people were less enthusiastic about was the Watchmen trailer. This is the series that is set in the world of the books, but definitely pulls the aesthetics and some of the musical cues from the Zack Snyder movie. And temporally, it is set in uh, decades after the events of the comic book. Is it decades after? It must be. It's much later. It's definitely after, yeah. but I didn't know if it was decades Wait, or no, just no. a few years. Do you guys actually think this is the same universe as the comic book? Oh, it is. It is. It, it is. is. They said that, that their adaptation is based on the comic book version, but aesthetically they're taking cues from because this, the Because this looks movie. like our universe who has read the comic books and has embraced those characters. In those no, movies. it is in that, in that world because at the end of The Watchmen – the comic book, right? The world goes through this crisis. Viet's, uh, his big plan is to manufacture an alien invasion mm-hmm. in which that unites the world. And But the last, one of the last panels is Rorschach's journal getting, um, getting uh, discovered. And so you have these acolytes of this, these, these heroes. And, uh, and, and maybe 
the the plot being revealed. There is nothing explicitly supernatural about anything in this trailer. There's one thing. You see a shot of Mars, and there's a blue figure there. So they may bring back Dr. Manhattan. I mean, he might be in the trailer at the end. Yeah, yeah. But it just it seems to me that this is a different approach to Watchmen. I'm I'm unsold on it. Yeah, yeah. I also am unsold on it, and I think it's partly because uh, maybe this is a little superhero fatigue for me. But like oh, James gritty, Cameron, gritty superhero didn't strike me as 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 sort of grabbing my attention right now. Yeah. Best trailer of the of the Comic Con is what Easily. we're talking about next. Easily the best trailer Comic Con. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> can't wait for Christmas. And I think this was like the first or second trailer that came out. Well, are we going to talk about cats? You want to talk about cats? Oh, we can talk about cats. You Let's guys, talk about cats. You guys dissed cats too hard. I'm actually coming around on cats because the reaction's been so negative on it <laughs> that I was like, can't be that bad. One, have, have you seen the musical? Yes, yeah. no, but for, it's not great. That, and that well, now hold on. There's like, one the, great it, song. The, the musical you memory is great. It's not great, but it's got like classic music. It's yeah. classic Broadway. I, I stand by my review. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, if you know Cats, if you, like you remember watching Cats in the, the '80s or early '90s, they're furries. This is like what that is. It's not meant to be groundbreaking. It's just no. Cat, it, cats, why, why, like, do the, why do the lady cats have no clothes, and why do the male cats wear clothes? No, it's just about cats talking about themselves and like, why are they named the way? Why do they have human named? teeth? Yeah, it's very Sonic the Hedgehog. It's very Sonic the Hedgehog. I would say the so, only re- like le- like real complaint I have outside of it, you know, it looks weird and all that kind of stuff. Is Jennifer Hudson's singing of that iconic song seems a little off to me. No, from oh, how I thought she did a good performance, at least in the trailer. I think it's a little overperformed. So Tom Hooper, who did Les Mis, and he famously for Les Mis did a very interesting where he recorded all the music on location. It wasn't ADR'd after. And, Which I loved. And that was a great take on Les Mis. He also won, Is of course, that the way this is done? I don't, like, that can't be. There's Why not? No. Because Are they of the, singing the choreography. In those, because, because of the sets they've built for this and the way they're filming it. I don't think they can. Do, there's so much effects. I don't think they can that would, do it. That would think that would be a huge mistake. And they're also like jumping around while they're maybe singing. They are. Yeah, Dude, but that is why I went to see Les Mis. Like mm-hmm. that is such a great approach to musical making because it was more like watching a theater, exactly. but with the production value of being on location exactly. and not getting losing any of the sound quality. Uh, so the look they're going for is not. Is it Uncanny Valley? It's like this. Really? It's like some mutant cat. Like they're. It's Instagram filter the movie. You know, it's like they they used like the it remi- face filter. It reminds technology. me of Moulin Rouge in some respects. Like it, you know, it's just out- no way. It's just otherworldly. The lavishness of the sets, I I can get behind, right? These huge sets and proportional. I think that's a really clever idea, but the character design, it really it's like this anthropomorphizing of. Of really? cats in a way that I, I I can't get behind. Well, did you ever see the musical? Because that's I've what it is. Seen, I've seen I've seen that. Yeah, like, this is that with a higher budget. Why does Judy Dench? Why does why does uh why, why are the cats also wearing fur? What they wearing fur fur coats? I think you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> I'm asking all the right questions. <laughs> well, it comes out on the same day as Rise of the Skywalker. So, oh my God, uh, yeah, <laughs> that shows how why much confidence I know. <laughs> They, maybe their expectation. I think they is, said they know the Ven of these two movies does not overlap. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Maybe that's Taylor it. Swift, her her big first role, and, and she has a lot of fans. And I don't know how many of those fans want to watch uh, Rise of Skywalker. Maybe they do. I, I they, it's a Christmas time film. Okay. Can we finally talk about the best trailer right, of Comic Con? Right. Top Gun. You know what? The, my Maverick favorite is back. My favorite part of this trailer is just that one bell hit in the beginning. 
when you don't know it's Top Gun until they hit that gong, and it's that same one from Top Gun, and it just it just make gives me shivers. Uh-huh. I think the the way they're filming the f- the the flights, flight sequences. Outrageous! It, it sounds like it's not a lot. I mean, a lot of it they will have CG, but it sounds like Tom Cruise was flying some of these planes himself. Well, that's my question: Is he co-piloting the planes? I probably co-pilot. Yeah, there's they, no they, way they they're letting him, him in, a, on, in the seat. The insurance wouldn't let him like a hundred million dollar plane. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. but like I come in here, like I think all of Mission Impossible is CG, and you guys are like, no, no, no. He learned how to fly a helicopter, and he does. He does fly. Like he flew a helicopter in that film, and he flies airplanes, and so. He, I'm sure he is flying some of the planes, maybe not at those speeds, definitely not that low to the ground. Yeah. But it's not just like not just solely these rigs that put a camera in front of uh, like a multi-axis control system. I, I it, it, the flight sequences are outrageous, like going through the mountains, the opening shot coming low over oh, the desert. That, that's like that's that's who's flying toward Ray in Rise of Skywalker. The, yeah. <laughs> Ray. but also the the. <laughs> The setup of the of the dialogue of being like, you know, you're the best, you know, uh, pilot we've ever had, but you never progress. Yeah, the, the dialogue did not hit me. Like, I mean, oh, he's come a, on, he, it's like it's totally Top Gun level dialogue. Yeah, you're right? right. That's why it like took me back. He's a he's a relic. You know, the, the whole pilot culture may be a little bit of a uh, dated, and definitely the, the relations that we have. You know, that we're not in the Cold War, so they're going to touch on all that stuff. Now there is a little bit of controversy. With this trailer, did you see about the the patches? So people know in one shot early on. Oh uh, no, U.S. flag. There's no, no, there's U.S. flag. There's no Taiwanese flag or or Japanese flag, mm-hmm. and, and and so they've changed up the patches on his jacket. Presumably, the theory is to appease the the censors in China, so this film can be released there as well. Oh, that's so, that's horrible because there is some investment from for the production here. Oh my god. I yeah. I have really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of yeah. those things I kind of don't want to know. Oh man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it, that's why the internet is there. Is Val Kilmer in the trailer? Other big question, is there an ice man? I think yes, but it may be a very different ice man because obviously Val Kilmer the actor has gone through some health problems of late so he's not the same stature as he was. And so he might be in the film as a more diminished character. And maybe you know he chose the more true age that Tom Cruise should represent, but doesn't because he's eternally youthful. And who is Goose? Anthony Edwards? Anthony? Yeah, what I is it? Is it Edwards? Guy. The guy from yeah, ER. ER. I wonder. Seen elsewhere. He's still alive, right? Like yeah. in real life. Yeah, but Goose is not. Yeah, I know. But uh, but maybe they could like do a little dream sequence. <sighs> I think that would hit that would hit the right chords. If you're gonna bring yeah. back Top Gun, yeah. like that would I be a scene fans would want. Does, did Goose have a kid? Yeah, maybe Remember something like that. Maybe it's like Goose's kid. Something like, like that. Legacy of yeah. Goose. Uh, the director is um, uh, John, uh, uh, John Kaczynski, I want to say. He directed Oblivion with Tom Cruise, and also he directed Tron Legacy. And so he can do great action sequences, great motion. Joseph uh, Kaczynski. Oh, sorry, Joseph, Joseph Kaczynski. Did Tron Legacy? He did Tron Legacy. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. And he did, did, you, did you see Oblivion? I love that film. No. Great science fiction film. And that one has some great flight sequences as well. Uh, Chris McQuarrie, who directed the last Mission Possible, last two Mission Possible films and the next two ones, he came in to do a rewrite of the script. So it's, it's, it's all the great elements, all the right elements. I can't, I can't wait. For, for Comic-Con, it's like a weird thing to have there, but Tom Cruise at Comic-Con. Tom Cruise at Comic-Con. Yeah. When's he going to be in a Marvel film? I don't think he's going to be in a Marvel film. Why oh, not? don't say that. Yeah, everybody else There is. are a lot of casting that I was like, she, 
She's in a Marvel film. All right, so are we? Are we getting to it? Are we well, getting to Hall H? let's just like give one shout out. The trailer for Dark Crystal, especially like the BTS live action puppeting, coming to Netflix in a few weeks. What the heck's BTS? Why are you saying behind, behind the, the scenes? scenes? Don't say letters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in the zone. Uh, I couldn't be more excited about a live action puppeted Dark Crystal that has so much more to it than the original. Uh, I couldn't even get into the Dark Crystal experience. The line was always too long. Okay, Hall H. Okay. The big panel, Saturday night. I was getting on board my airplane, flying back to San Francisco as the panel's going on. I was like... We had manic messages. Yeah, we were on Slack. Slack. Like, there were unveils. Yeah, you guys acted like you were watching it, and it was. it turned out you were just watching the Twitter stream. Yes. I was on the other side of the wall from Hall H. <laughs> Listening to the cheers. You were, I, you were, I was in the. I was on the floor. Were you able? You couldn't get in like standing room. No, no, I wasn't going to try to get in. Okay, so, I mean, people had waited twenty four hours in advance just to, and camped overnight to to get into yeah, that. This panel. was the biggest event at Comic Con, right? And the question was whether it would be because people didn't know because they're uh, ahead of this panel. I'll give you some context. Uh, they announced that you know obviously Endgame would come out and Endgame is going to be out on digital download and Blu Ray soon, but there were already panels recapping and discussing the finer plot points of Endgame. So the Russo brothers had a big panel which they addressed a lot of questions from fans. Uh, the two writers of Endgame, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, they did a panel as well where they, they talked about their decisions. And so people got a lot of great like dissection, deep cuts into the making of Endgame. I went to a time travel panel with one of the uh, the Marvel writers and he expl- he tried to explain Endgame timelines. It was with scientists on the panel. It <laughs> went off the rails. <laughs> and uh, what had been announced was that there would be a big return to Hall H, which is the big 6,500-person, 7,000-person uh, room in the San Diego Convention Center where the big announcements are made, but it would be Kevin Feige mm-hmm. doing a an hour panel. And we know on the horizon is Disney's own convention, the one they, that previously in the past couple, two years they've made all their announcements there, D23. So we didn't know, we were talking about this last week, what Kevin Feige would talk about, whether it be just about one movie or next year. But Kevin Feige came out, and the first thing he did was, first of all, announce that Endgame had surpassed Avatar at the box office globally. It is now the number one film of all time in terms of... If uh, I'm not mistaken, I he did. announced that it would this oh, weekend. yes, yes, based on their projections. And yeah. then it did. Yeah. And James Cameron... I did it! <laughs> I did it! Well done. Good job, Kishore. It's all uh, to you. And uh, Jim Cameron put a, a lovely little picture and note as oh, his tradition that. to congratulate the filmmakers. Did he publish it in the newspaper? Uh, I don't think he, I think it's just posted on it's, it's social media. He's so cheap. You're going to get more reach out of social media than you would buying a it's thing just, in a variety. Oh, uh, yeah, but it's tradition. It's tradition. Maybe he did. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. There was one image. It's a lovely picture of Iron Man with uh, the sprites from, uh, from Pandora and Avatar landing on him. Hmm. So... That was great. I'm a little bummed they did not show the Stanley tribute. The that intro been, sequence? Yeah. No, no, no. The, uh, at the end of Endgame, the, uh, the new version they put out a few weeks ago, one of those things was a special feature from the DVD, which was a little bit of a Stanley tribute about all his cameos. And oh, I thought well. the Hall H panel would have been a perfect place for them to play that. I feel like this is the they, – they've done it. They're moving on. Okay. There was Because there was a lot to do. Mm-hmm. So – he straight up said, uh, well, watch out, Jeremy, what you doing? Jeremy, Jeremy is uh, activating our, our cooling because it's getting hot in here. Said, phase three is over. Spider-Man Far From Home was the end, the epilogue of phase three. 
they have a lot of stuff in the works, so they're going to go through every single thing, the entirety of MCU Phase 4. Get ready for Comexplaining 201. So, Jeremy, here we go. All right, we're only one hour into the podcast, guys. <laughs> they had a timeline of the next two years, 2020, 2021. We're done with MCU for this year. We're not even like we're barely halfway through the year. No more MCU. Is that that kind of trippy? That's true. Well, right? because of Rise of Skywalker, yeah. don't want to compete with your that Lion King, two hundred million opening weekend. And we had three MCU movies already in the first half of the year. Crazy. So t- starting with twenty twenty, three things in twenty twenty, seven things in twenty twenty one, and people were freaking out. Oh, is Marvel going to put out seven movies in twenty twenty one? Well, no, they're also including all of the Disney Plus stories, one of which is animated. Uh, and that also fits in because it's produced by Marvel Studios, will fit into the continuity and directly tie in to the events of the MCU. Very exciting. Let's start with the first movie announced. Well, they didn't start with the next the next immediate thing chronologically. They no, saved no, that we'll, for the end. We can kind of go in order. We'll I, go in order as the first thing they talked about was uh, 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 Captain, uh, sorry, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. No, no. First thing was Eternals. Eternals. Okay, so I guess that's chronologically, yeah. Eternals is the... the the big movie at the end of next year, they have the uh, the director come out. Uh, she had previously done uh, an indie film about horses, the writer, I want to say. Uh, but she didn't have to do the Eternals. They had the entire cast come out. They unveiled the cast of the Eternals, starting with Richard Madden. Uh, Kumail Nanjani was there. Uh, Selma Hayek playing the leader of the Eternals. Angelina Jolie. They had major that was crazy. star power. As we were leaving Comic-Con... That day, as Gunther and I were heading to the airport, we saw a fleet, a caravan of SUVs, black SUVs with tinted windows driving toward the convention center. And we're like, there's got to be some famouses in there. And that's that's who they were. They had literally truckloads of famouses come in for this panel. Do you want to know who the Eternals are, Jeremy? Thank you. It sounds like a TV show. So do you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy where they would meet at nowhere and nowhere was this giant head of a celestial yeah man. of a celestial celestial was a race of these incredibly sized cosmic powered beings one of the oldest creatures in, in the, the universe, universe. And you saw a glimpse of them as they flash back to the the, uh, the the origins of the infinity stones you're with me oh yeah so they come to earth and they decide early earth they decide they're going to experiment on the proto-humans that live there. And this experiment results Wait in... Wait I thought you said they were the oldest creatures in the universe. Yeah, so... And they were proto-humans during their existence? No, like they like they've, they've have a long life, the Celestials. Right. So at some point, before like human civilization, really, yeah. they came to Earth and did some experiments on us. And they did this on a bunch of worlds. Like mm-hmm. They did it on the Kree homeworld, and they did it on the Skrull homeworld. Oh, yeah. And on Earth, they created a couple different races um, that emerged from that experimentation. One is called the Eternals, who are essentially immortal-ish. Yeah, they've mostly been immortal. 35,000 years. So they're genetically altered proto-humans? Mm-hmm. With powers. They can fly. They can they have beams. They can shoot from their eyes. They have different <laughs> powers. They... I, they're kind of like they have like mutant type powers, like yeah. X Men type looking powers, but they're kind of immortal, and they're just they've been walking among us for thirty five thousand years. Are they immortal? Yeah, like immortal ish. They can be killed. They can be killed by like a silver bullet. Yeah, it's not anything magical. You just have to have enough power to kill them. I see. 
then they created a separate race called the Deviants, which we'll meet later. Um, there's a famous Deviant that you've met already uh, that came from the world Titan. The Mad Titan. Yeah. Uh, and then... Is it the Collector? <laughs> <laughs> nice. 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 He's nice. crazy. Uh, and so the, the whole uh, idea behind this movie is that these immortals have walked among us hidden for the last 35,000 years. And we're finally going to meet them. class of character, it's on the level of Thanos, Collector, the um, uh, Jeff Goldblum's uh, character in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. The, it's yeah. Grandmaster. Grandmaster. It's like on those level. And, but imagine, but as the, opposed to one of them, it's a, a family of them. And they yeah, all and have different not, superpowers. Yeah. You don't know how that will be portrayed. Oh, so. okay. It, but there isn't that many of them. There's uh-huh. a small number. Of they them. live on Earth? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so they like grew up along with the like the human race, yes. But they remained hidden somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, they look like us, and they they will emerge. Maybe one of them is Angelina Jolie. Well, they didn't look like us for a while, right? Like they looked like cavemen while cavemen yeah. roamed the earth, and then they looked like okay. Now they wear jeans. It's cool. <laughs> so that's coming out. The uh, Kevin Feige said it will go full Jack Kirby in terms of a sex style, full cosmic. It's definitely more of a space like movie. Uh, so they're going cosmic uh, for for phase four, uh, which to some speculation leads to say that you know has important if you have these hugely superpower characters at the end of phase four, five, six, who's the next baddie they could lead toward? There's only know, one. There's only I think. one. There's only devourer, there's only one. The devourer, mm-hmm. Galactus. So Eternals comes out in the next year. Uh, bef- around then, also will be the first Disney Plus Marvel MCU show, and that's. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So they had Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan come out. Anthony Mackie was holding the shield. Now, did you look at the shields? Was this the shield design that was at the end of Endgame? I couldn't was... tell. It looked, I mean, it had the, the clean look of it, yeah. but w- we couldn't see, I couldn't see close enough to see if the points kind of lined up. Yeah. It looked yeah. close enough. Clo- close enough. So they're going to have this movie, and they announced the villain for this, the return of Baron Zemo. Who we've from met from Civil War? Well, who's that? He he's, was the, he's the nerdy doctor guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's wow. the guy who who's in the computer. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. He was the psychiatrist that like kind of programmed Winter Soldier to like that break created out the Civil War. That created the he lost his wife in Sokovia, and that's why he was mad. Is, so, what's his superpower? He's just he's just stupid, crazy, he's sinister. So, He's like in the he's a plotter. The person we met didn't have any superpowers. Yeah. In the comics, he kind of has like super strength and he's he's brilliant. But he can make super soldiers, maybe. Yeah. So we saw a shot on his Instagram of wearing a mask. <gasps> Was he wearing the purple mask? Oh yeah. It's very kind of shrouded. Uh, but yes, I think we're gonna get a Baron Zemo. He could give himself powers, I imagine. Yeah, something. So he's gonna come up with some sort of power, I think. You guys are interested in that? Okay. Yes. All right. So that's uh, Daniel Brohl, who is the, the villain in Glorious Bastards. He plays uh, the one that's not Crystal Fultz. He's, he's the actor, if you don't recognize him. So uh, that's Falcon the Winter Soldier. And then now let's get to – and there's one more movie. We'll get to the very end. Uh, and then they talk Two about – Two more movies. Well, there's one from uh, 2020. Yeah. Uh, so 2021, seven things. Oh, okay. Uh, what was next on the list? Was it WandaVision? WandaVision? So they brought out Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch. This is definitely set after Endgame, but the vision is dead, you might ask. How will this work? Well, the lo- if the logo is an indication and what they said, it, it will be a weird show. 
it's going to be... I think there's going to be some time travel. There's maybe some time travel. There, uh, Scarlet Witch will go full-on mystic and maybe a little bit destabilized after the death of the Vision. She might try to bring him back to life using her magic powers, and there may be consequences to those actions. But it will be... It'll be a weird show. Why is it called Wanda Vision? Because Wanda her name is Wanda. Is that her? That's her name, Wanda yeah. Maximoff. Human name. Mm-hmm. She's got. She's in the movie too, right? Well, that's that's. Oh, well, well done. So right after, and we're like, oh my god, this logo is amazing, and and we're like following along with this. Then they talk about the next movie. They brought out Scott Derrickson, director of Doctor Strange, and then they brought about uh, Brendan Cumberbatch to announce the sequel, Doctor Strange Two, which has the best name in any movie ever. Not just MCU, <laughs> it's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's pretty good. That's such it's, a good It's name. pinball-esque in its name. <laughs> it's definitely the movie I think my family is most looking forward to. Because well, my son loves the first Doctor Strange. They also said this will be Marvel's first horror movie. Scary movie. Scary movie. What does that mean, though? Still PG-13. Yes. Yeah. Who but do you think be the dark. villain's going to be? Oh, it's definitely going to, uh, they're going to bring back, um, uh, Dormammu? no, 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 uh, Chiwetel Ephedor, uh, oh, uh, yeah, Baron, uh, uh, what's why? his name? Why, why can't I look it up? It? Uh, but there's, there's you're no, right. There's no footage from this though, right? No footage, just, just the logos. And Elizabeth Olsen is also going to be in this movie, Scarlet Witch, a direct tie-in to the events of, uh, the events of... WandaVision. That's pretty cool because I like the magic superheroes. So that's two good ones. Do you have a, a doctor, a, a sorcerer, and a witch? Yeah, it's pretty good. And maybe in Scarlet Witches, messing with timelines, looking into alternate universe, multiverses to find the vision. Mordo. Maybe, Mordo. Yep. Maybe that messes up the the order of things. You think Vision might be in the movie? No, Vision's not going to be in the movie, okay. but like the events of her uh, show. Of her show. Yeah. Uh, and his show. Yeah. So very exciting. Multiverse of Madness. It's yeah. in the Multiverse of Madness, not Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I like the distinction. What do you it's think important. that means, though, about it being their first horror movie? I mean, is it, are they it's actually... A darker, scarier, you know, creatures. You yeah. know, like, I remember how Shazam had, like, nightmarish creatures. You know, maybe, maybe it's a lot, a lot of crazy creatures. Yeah, also, like, maybe just following that kind of, like, jump scare, things coming at you kind of... Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Art. It could actually be a different kind of style. Yeah, how do you make these beings that have incredible magic powers feel vulnerable? Well, Things that they can't see around the corner, you right? Know, like things are twisting their mind. Who knows? Uh, after that, they announced what if animated series, animated series, bringing back a lot of the cast from the MCU. This is, these are their, it's going to be an anthology animated series as voice artists, Ex, yeah, exploring things like what if uh, Peggy Carter was. Captain America, or had the Super Soldier series. Didn't you say that the comics have done this? Yes, it is yeah. a famous series of what if. But they announced one bit of casting that was new, and that is The Watcher. Someone narrating all of this. In the comics, the what if issues are all, uh, they open with The Watcher talking about the, setting up the premise. This is kind of like um, Rod Sterling in Twilight Zone. Okay. So, Didn't Stan Lee kind of do that in Spider-Man in the comics? A little bit, yeah. He kind of set it up. Yeah, yeah. Little, yeah. He, there was sometimes a little bit of text box voiceover. Hmm. But this is going to be... Um, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. As a Watu. Who's that? He's uh, Bernard. Bernard oh, from, wow. from, Watch, no uh, from Westworld. Wow. Yeah, so he has the voice for it. It's going to be great. Um, don't know. They don't. They listed so many actors. There's going to be a lot of stories. We just don't know what the stories are so far. I can't believe we're at the point where we can have a what-if series. It's crazy. Next movie, mm-hmm. Shang-Chi. 
Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. Legend of the Ten Rings, bringing in the Mandarin again. So they brought the director, they brought the casting. What do you mean again? Well, in wait. Iron Man 1, they alluded to the Mandarin, because mm-hmm. the Mandarin is a classic Iron Man villain, and they had one of the actors ben you know, twist that ring in, in Iron Man 1. Oh, right. And then they had Ben Kingsley play a false Mandarin as one of the villains in Iron Man 3. That was a big reveal, right? Like he, yes. Everyone he thought he was the, the thing. Exactly. So it's not. He was just using the name. And so the Mandarin actually is played by Tony Leung, a Chinese actor. Uh, and Aquafina is going to be in this movie. And then they cast the lead, who is a Canadian actor, uh, Simu Liu. And he is in the show Kim's Convenience on Netflix. Which is a great show, actually. It's a really, really good show. Really, really good show. Watched a lot of it this weekend. Now, it worries me a little bit because watching the show, it's a comedy. It's a sitcom. Totally different. I don't know if I could see him standing alongside a Captain America or Captain Marvel. Look. Yeah. So a lot of this Marvel's will have to direction. has been pretty on point. Yeah. And uh, there's some behind-the-scenes footage of him. And he is, like, ripped and ready for this role. I also love how there's tweets of him, like, going back to, like, 2014, where he's like, hey, Marvel, you need an Asian-American star? I'm ready. And and then he, like, quote tweeted himself. Thanks for getting this, back to me. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So what is his superpower? He is the master of martial arts. So he's immortal. He's, like, completely I, regular guy. He's just Bruce Lee. He, like, Bruce Lee times 10. Oh, wow. It's the next level. Okay. They might go with the cosmic stuff. I mean, they're definitely going to go with some super powery things because the Ten Rings are there, mm-hmm. right? So they, they want to set this up to be an equal to the other heroes. Like, I don't know if it'll, like, tie into the Eternal somehow. I could see that, even though that's not in the comics, like, but it could make sense. It's kind of uh, like a Hawkeye, though. Like, he, he's just really good at something. Yeah, but I, I think they want to definitely have the hero give them more than just a Hawkeye, like, he needs to stand alongside the, the new Avengers, whatever the okay. Avengers incarnation will be. I'm excited about this purely from the, the stylistic components of what this movie could look like. Yeah. It could look like just a total epic. Yeah. 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 And, and this is like, you're not going to see Iron Fist in the MCU anytime oh, soon. So this will kind of take its place uh, for martial arts. Will I get to see a lot of uncut, long takes martial arts scenes? Hopefully. Yeah. That's what that's I want. That's really what hope. I want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, um, Loki TV show. So Tom Hiddleston came out to great applause. The logo here, a little weird. Four letters in different type. Now, my theory is that each of those letters ties to a different Marvel character. The first letter on the L kind of looks like the H in Incredible Hulk. That, that uh, K kind of looks like the Avengers logo a little. It looks like it's cropped out of. It's, that's what it's evoking to me, but it's not a beautiful logo. No, it, it looks weird, and it looks weird, I think, on purpose. I'm wondering if we're getting um, what's the the witch the the sorceress that's oftentimes in enchantress like, enchantress. Yeah. I wonder if we're getting some enchantress in here. So Loki has the tesseract, and that's that timeline's Loki. It's not the timeline exactly. Loki that we, so he can do what he wants. He can go where he wants. Yeah, this is a Loki that has not experienced events of Thor two. Okay, or Thor Ragnarok. Yep, that's a weird take on Loki or Iron Man. Dying, any of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he wasn't there. He died before Iron Man died. Oh yeah, well, he was choked to death by Thanos in Infinity War in oh, the yeah, opening yeah. scene. So he hasn't reconnected with Thor. I wonder if there. This is less about characters and more about like the time periods he travels to. Yeah, Loki's past, maybe. Very interested. Uh, next up, the big movie, 
reveal, and this was, I think it was, we talked about last week, because it was probably unintentionally leaked by Hollywood Reporter, uh, or Marvel did not anticipate leaking, but Thor 4, Taika Waititi, you got Thor, you got Valkyrie, and you got Thor. I almost fell down when this happened. Thor, Love and Thunder, best logo. Best logo. Best logo, logo, not the best name, but best logo. We're getting like metal. This is like metal music, 80s TV logo, uh, Master Universe style, which is perfect for Thor. I want this t-shirt. Love and Thunder, Valkyrie as the the ruler of Asgard, looking for her queen. King of Asgard. King of Asgard, looking for a queen, and you got the the Thor, Goddess of Thunder storyline coming in with no one saw this coming. Jane Foster coming back to wheel Mjolnir. That was incredible. Fucking awesome. (laughs) That was so good. End of 2021, the question is, what does that mean for the what we saw Thor at the end of Endgame? Because Thor at the end of Endgame had teamed up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and everyone was like, oh, very jazzed for a potential as Guardians of the Galaxy. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen with the game uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Maybe this is something they'll allude to at the beginning of Thor Love and Thunder. He'll depart from the Guardians. They'll have, the, have had their own adventures. Uh, so it's going to be its own thing. I, I'm, it, I'm into it. Did this happen in the comics? Yes. There's a uh, Jane, Foster. Jane Foster Thor. Yeah. yeah. She becomes Thor because she's dying in her human form. And, and as Thor, she gets to live and also be a hero. I also think it makes sense to have a love story for his redemption from where he is at the end of Endgame. He needs to love himself. Yeah. That's, uh, that's right. As we all do. So... They had one more thing. They had two one more things. They saved the last movie uh, announcement for the end, which is next. the next movie, the MCU. Oh, we skipped out. one. We skipped Hawkeye. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, TV Hawkeye. Show. Yeah, yeah. It's... Jeremy Renner on stage. Hawkeye. Uh, the same logo as the comic. Really mm-hmm. cool. And him uh, teaching the new Hawkeye, Kate Bishop. No casting for Kate Bishop, but it's fine. Um, it'll it's be far a, enough a passing in the of the torch. Kate Bishop, uh, the Kate Bishop uh, Hawkeye comic book is really really good yeah this is a tv show yeah this disney plus is just gonna rake it in right i was like saying you know they if they if they offered a vip pass for let's say 250 dollars right now (laughs) to say here's a phase four pass folks it gets you all the shows in phase four that we just talked about all the movies and your reserve seat for the movie you can do right now for 250 bucks that's underpricing what they could get away with but you would be paying less than that just by buying tickets in the movies. Like to average ticket price, ten, twelve dollars. You're talking about five movies, you know, and, and then uh, and then seventy dollars a year for Disney Plus. They'd be making more money with something like a two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollar ticket. People would eat it up right away, and they get that money today. Like, they, don't, they just don't even need to do it. They're undervaluing. That's that's the value of of the universe they've built. So next uh, next May coming out already in production right now Black Widow they had the one of the Scarlett Johansson the last of the original Avengers come what out a cast in this too and it's uh, David Harbour playing a Russian mm-hmm. could be a Russian version of a Captain America potentially mm-hmm. he's probably a super soldier or something but it doesn't seem like it's going to be the origin story that. It's not. So they already set up that this will be uh, set between the event. It's a prequel, but set between Civil War and Infinity War, as we speculated. 
So mm-hmm. still modern day, but what Black Widow did after all the ledger was released at the end of Civil War. So Florence Pugh plays an agent in she here. She plays Yelena Belova. Yep. Uh, and uh, she was most really in, in Midsummer. Oh, and, yes, Midsummer. And also in uh, Fighting With My Family, the uh, WWE movie. And then also Rachel Weisz. As Iron Maiden, we think. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know what the connections will be. Yeah. So very exciting. They've been filming that now, and that will be the next MCU movie, spy thriller. Mm-hmm. When, and that's I, early next year? I think uh, it's, it's going to be a Bond movie. That's what I think it's going to feel yeah. like. Like a lot of spy cool. nonsense. Covert, covert ops. I mean, the, bringing back that tone that we saw in Winter Soldier, I mean, that was still the best MCU movie in a lot of people's minds. I thought Goddess of Thunder was like the punch I wasn't expecting. Nope. There's so, one more thing. Kevin Feige at the end of this came up, and there's a video clip of this see, right now. You were on the plane at this point. I right? was in the plane. I did not see this in real time. I had to watch the video <laughs> afterward, and uh, as soon as the plane landed, queued it up and saw him do his, bring all the actors back on stage. Wait, this whole thing is online now? You oh, can, yeah. The whole thing is online. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got to watch this. Okay. And he, it's like he's Steve Jobs. It's masterful. Like, it is. He is Steve Jobs up there. He, <laughs> he, he like pulled out a reality stone, pulled out a mind stone, and just, just capture the audience's attention and, and the world's attention as all these reveals were dropped one at a time. You had the biggest movie stars in the world come out, some of them putting on the Black Widow hat that gave 7,000 hats away with the Black Widow logo, and they said, this is phase four. Uh, some of the stuff was rumored. They didn't, they didn't have time to talk about Fantastic Four, which is a t- confirmation. What a drop. That Fantastic like- Four is in development. This is part of the acquisition, Disney and Fox. They didn't even t- have time to talk about mutants. He didn't explicitly say X-Men, but mutants, part of part of the maybe phase five. It would make sense with Fantastic Four and mutants in phase five. They didn't talk about Black Panther 2. didn't talk about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They didn't talk about Captain Marvel 2, which are all in development right now. I'm shocked. This next Spider-Man film is in development, right? But they will talk about one thing. And it is confirmed it's phase five, not phase four. They have now cast Herschel Ali as Blade. And he came out, put on the cap, and Blade the Vampire will be coming back to the MCU. I I was just stunned. I was like, I mean, first of all, it's a very deep cut <laughs> to, to go it? to Blade. Why is it a deep cut? Because it was already a trilogy. That's clearly a popular I mean, it character. It's just one of those things. No one was talking about Blade coming back. Well, no one makes that connection with Blade being a Marvel character, even though he is. Well, I certainly didn't, but I figured you guys did. It was so far off my radar. Hmm. And what does that mean? Because it's a world of vampires. Does that mean that you have to introduce this kind of hidden world of vampires in the MCU? (laughs) Uh, They keep revealing things, man. I I don't think that's a problem. You have these Eternals that have been living among us. You have... Maybe scroll that have been living among us. Now, yeah. I, I haven't vampires. S- I haven't seen the Wesley Snipes trilogy, but I understand it's pretty well regarded. The first two movies are yeah. well regarded. Third movie is really bad. There's this really famous scene where he was having such a fight with the director that he wouldn't open his eyes for a take, so they CG'd his eyes on. In three? Where, yeah. Crazy. It's David Goyer. Did the third one. Guillermo del Toro directed the second one. So a lot of great creature vampire stuff and I really hope they bring him back. Yeah, and I think you should take that well-regarded down a notch, probably. Oh, I like, think it's beloved. I think people like it, but I don't know. Like, it's not like what we're talking about with some of the recent MCU movies. Hmm. Still very rewatchable. Uh, so that was the big Hall H panel 
for Marvel. Let's really quickly go through the rest of the pop culture stuff because we are running really long into this section. Game of Thrones. What a weird... That was... People were just angry. Yeah. And then the showrunners didn't show up. Yep, yep. And there was no apology. I think the the cast members there were there to talk about how much they love being the series. The answer, they speculated, like, what would their characters be doing now? I think the fans got to turn it down a notch. I saw, like, holes... Like people in cosplay that were like shame, shame, and just uh, starting the writer. Like, yeah, the show's over. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, new trailer for the Mister Rogers biopic. That looks so good. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. I recommend people reading the Esquire article that the journalist wrote. Uh, that is the basis of this movie. It's so, it, it like I, I teared up reading it. It's perfect. Uh, it's a little bit weird for me because it took me like halfway through the trailer before I could. St- Stop seeing Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. It's hard, yeah, and I don't know. If it's always going to be hard. I don't know if he'll get over that. But, but he, he captured. If you if you saw the, he does a good job. His mannerisms uh, are right. Yeah, the mannerisms are great. If you and, saw the documentary, it's it's all there. Yeah, and his voice. He even alters his voice where he can. I think he did a good it's, job. It's on the smile. And who else would you cast? Uh, no, I know. No one. No one you cast. You, yeah, you cast America's dad, Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Toys that made us season three Woo-hoo. has said uh, released the first trailer. Oh, I didn't realize there was a a first trailer. So it's going to be. Uh, ponies. We talk. I think we revealed this. Rangers, Power Rangers, and Ninja Turtles. Oh, the trailer was taken down. Sorry, I don't know to put it up. And um, they need to get the rights. It's just three out. properties. Uh, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, My Little Pony, and WWE Wrestling. Oh, weird. Okay, big part of a lot of people's childhood. Uh, and then, just as we were starting to record the podcast, we heard news that uh, the actor Rutger Hauer had passed away. Um, and he, of course, played Roy Batty in, um, in Blade Runner. Uh, he was in uh, Batman Begins. He played an antagonist there. He played a lot of great villains. Uh, Buffy Vampire Slayer, the original 92 film, and, um, and he was an amazing actor. Um, and Just we're very sad to hear about it. The Roy Batty role. I mean, uh, we're showing um, Blade Runner next month as part of my movie series. Oh. It's going to be bittersweet. All right, Jeremy. One question. Do you think there's any chance Chris Evans will play his character in Fantastic Four? No. <laughs> Johnny Storm. No. That would be crazy. Dude, I'm saying he could because now Captain America's old, out of commission. So they could bring him back as, as a young version, and they do weird stuff. Like they had the, the, the guy be the newscaster on the Fox Network for, uh, in the new Spider-Man. Jameson. They brought in as, you know, that um, guy who was from the old Spider-Man movies. They do stuff. Also, like... Blade also was the villain in Luke Cage season one, first half of the season yeah, one. Mahershala yeah, Mahershala Ali. So. Uh, I could go for two hours about Fantastic Four. I love the Fantastic Four. I've been disappointed many times with it, their film portrayals, even in the Roger Corman one, which has you know its charm. I think if you want to say a stretch and they want to go real tongue in cheek, yes, and but not as the main role. Not I think, as the character you played in the previous or, one. Or not as the main character. And I think the way to do it, because there have been so many iterations of Fantastic Four on screen, is to acknowledge that by really going into the multiverse. In the Fantastic Four comic book series, there's a great story arc where Reed Richards, who's the, the patriarch and the leader of the Fantastic Four, he's the smartest person in the world, he is like the villain of the series. He's too smart for his own good, tries to solve problems. His guilt that he holds in turning his family into the superhero team is his burden. Like, he, his best friend, Ben Grimm, into the thing, making themselves a superhero team is the way he copes with the fact that he has ruined his family's life by giving them these, these powers. 
and making them these celebrities and giving them this burden. And so in the comic book series, he has found, he's created a multidimensional device where he meets with other Reed Richards from other universes. And they form this council of reeds. <laughs> That's pretty egotistical. Absolutely. And it's been parodied in uh, Rick and Morty, the Council of Ricks. But that idea came from Fantastic Four. And they plot. They plot to try to solve the multiverse's problems. And when it's one singular mind in different versions plotting, things don't go right. But this is where I feel like if you're going to bring any of the actors back or acknowledge yeah. that casting, you would have to go into the multiverse. Spider-Man style. Exactly. Okay. And we, where you would have a seed where he would be in the Council of Reeds and you would see the uh the uh, what's his name um the the past two actors who would play uh, Miles Teller and uh and the British actor own something they yeah, have, yeah. him him yes all yes. right let's that's a possibility possibility i like your thoughts tech news <laughs> we can blaze through it uh netflix had a weird announcement late last week well i don't think they were trying to make this announcement that they are bleeding subscribers <laughs> this was kind of shocking so netflix had its first quarter where they lost subscribers and this doesn't bode well in u.s subscribers. u.s subscribers talking about because those they US gains internationally yeah yeah, yeah. and and, and they, but they missed their expectations by a wide margin they blame it on the price increase, their own price increase, and uh, it's going to be tougher than that for them going forward. The next two years, we have big competitors, streaming competitors to Netflix, not just Disney Plus and Apple TV, Apple TV Plus. And but those aren't here yet. Those aren't here so yet. So that's why I'm surprised they lost subscribers now. Which is a, that, that doesn't bode well if they're yeah. already bleeding subscribers. That's true. We'll, we'll go through a period of consolidation, though, pretty soon. I think in a couple of years, we're going to see some of these streaming services go away. If anything, I would have thought the, the end of Game of Thrones would have meant an uptick for everybody else other than HBO. But I guess and, not. Yeah, yeah. And HBO and AT&T, Time Warner, which owned HBO, is doing HBO Max. But Netflix is maybe struggling. I, don't think, I think they're going to be more careful about the original shows they produce, and they need something that's going to be – as Big as a cultural phenomenon, but that change is going to have a long latency. Like there's yes, going to be a, a can't year or two before flick, we flick see switch. that. Exactly, exactly. And by then, Amazon, which is invested in a Lord of the Rings series, will have that. And so, you know, how many? I guess the question is in in popular media, how many Game of Thrones level shows will the public can, can be sustained? Public interest, I think. They really only have to worry about Disney Plus because, like, Hulu always feels like it's about to fall apart in some way, shape, or form. And this HBO Max rollout has been so bad. Yeah, but but as long as there's one or two flagship shows that everyone feels like they have to watch, that's enough to 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 get people to keep on subscribing. It's about growth. Their problem is that they not only did they not grow in the U.S., but they lost subscribers in the U.S. I'm shocked. I mean, honestly, I, I. I feel like Netflix is just one of the most reliably safe companies because every every electronic screen has it built into it. Yeah, yeah. Every kid uses it. Like every family's got it as a, something to browse. Yeah, it's a, it's a sunk cost in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, but maybe because of the price increase, you know, the price elasticity, maybe 
a little uh, different than they anticipated, yeah. and people are more price sensitive. And you know, it, it, fifteen bucks is a lot different than seven bucks or eight bucks or whatever the, uh, Disney will be charging. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Nintendo. Nintendo uh, this past week had a little bit of drama, so people pointed out that Joy Cons, the the stick, turns out sticks are hard, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, people have, uh, experiencing Joy-Con drift. So this was even if their Joy-Cons were plugged into the Switch, that the, uh, the the cursor would would move and it would get it would be activated and and it could be a wide wide variety of problems. Could be dust dust. It could be the wearing down of a membrane. Um, but it only seemed to occur after a while. Like this is yeah. not new units. So yeah. unfortunately, it's hard to know out of the box whether or not you have a problem. But the coincidence was that interesting is that. A lot of people in around the same time frame started experiencing this. That's interesting. So it doesn't sound like it's a software problem. And Nintendo previously uh, would, uh, if you're out of warranty, would have charged forty dollars to repair a Joy-Con. But now, as a way of not really admitting this problem, that they're going to fix and replace Joy-Cons for free. No kidding. So they do think that they can't solve it with a firmware update. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just, wow. So if you have the problem uh, and you contact customer support. Their internal memo, if you go to support.nintendo.com, uh, they're going to, uh, if anything fails, they will they will replace it without charge. What if you haven't used your Switch since Zelda? Uh, you might not have the Joy-Con problem. Yeah, you, you might need to actually try it, play it a bunch, get the problem, get it fixed. I gotta get that sweet Mario Maker. I mean, this explains why I'm losing, why I'm dying so much in Mario Maker. It's <laughs> clearly the Joy-Cons, mm. not me. So are you making levels in that too? My kid is making levels. Yeah. And like, every night he's like, Dad, another three people played my levels. Oh, seriously? Yeah. That's cool. It is actually it is the first game he's gotten lost in in probably a year. And can you subscribe to Makers? Like if if I bought it, you can could follow. I play his levels? I could find them. Yeah. Okay, might have to do this. Um some Apple stuff. So new version of iOS 12.4, there's a new setup option. What's the deal with this? Someone put this on. <laughs> this is definitely a Jeremy, Jeremy story. Where's the link? Nintendo transfer. To, oh yeah. So yeah, if you got if you subscribe to the um, iOS ecosystem and you have an iPhone, uh, the latest update that came out this week adds a feature where you can s- s- like move all of your data to a different phone without any assistance from the iCloud, without anything. It's a peer to peer. Phone to phone transfer of your entire existence. Phone to phone. Yeah. Okay. So it's not uh, a local download on your computer, and then no, 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 no computer. It it works either. You have to be like either on the same Wi-Fi network, but then it establishes a peer to peer connection, and it can transfer from one phone to the other. Or you can do use one of the adapters for the Lightning Jack and do a wired connection. That's good for people buying new phones. Yeah, with especially you know without any kind of internet access or computer. Yeah. Well, this ties into the rumors that have been uh, spiraling and circling about the new iPhones uh, later this year. Of course, we anticipate a new iPhone 11, series iPhone 11 phones. Uh, the rumors are there will be three models, much like there was last year with the large one, the XS and the, the XR and the, the standard, uh, XS and the XS Max. Uh, and it sounds like they'll be keeping the same screens, keeping the same form factor, well, the big difference will be the removing of 3D touch, replacing it with a new Taptic engine, and then, most interestingly, in addition to the A13 processor, a new camera system in the back. Now, we're all curious about what adding a third camera on the back might do for a phone, and the idea here might be uh, some type of extra wide-angle camera 
that when you take a picture, the picture itself won't be in wide field of view, but if you adjust, you need to adjust the picture. So one of the things that you might do is if you take a picture and you want to like crop it and rotate it, yep. right? And the problems are sometimes if you crop and rotate, you don't have enough information data in the corners, so your crop shrinks the entire image. It has to zoom in. It has to zoom in yeah. because the, 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 the rectangle, the corners, hit butt up against the edges. But if you have extra data that may not be presented in and maybe hidden, but it's extra wide-angle data, this will then allow you to fill in that, that crop as you rotate your picture, as you recrop it. Um, but the theory is that that wide angle image will be only in the background and will be yeah. deleted over time. Right. Um, so you never actually are presented with that wide angle. I don't know, man. This does not sound like a killer feature to me. I don't think this is a phone selling feature if this is the real thing. I feel like this might be the first time I'm going to skip not only the last, I skipped last year, but I'm going to skip this year as well. Wait for the S. Yeah, the 10 was so so good. At, that one's supposed to have the 4G or 5G. Yeah, right, but the 10 from two no, years no, ago no, was no. so good that it might last three years. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't think I am because it, the 10 does not support the latest AR kit. Oh. And you can't do any of that cool motion tracking or um, up uh, person isolating or right, foreground right. obscuring. You can't do any of that with the 10. You need the... The last year's phone or this year's, and and then also uh, they they thirteen chip. That's all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, That's uh, why. Yeah, yeah. Um, last bit of tech: Google Gallery Go. This is a a new uh, a new small photo gallery, ten megabytes. Again, is in the trend of small apps, and and it's a way to do it offline. Yeah, and uh, I'll try this out. The sorting feature is is different. So you if you use. Uh, Google Photos, they usually you can sort by face or by time. This allows you to sort also by like um, a photo type. Like you can sort all of your selfies. Uh, I, I'll try it out this week, let you know what I think. And last bit is that the FCC just announced a $5 billion fine against Facebook. This for, has been rumored for a long time, but it was formally announced this morning. And a lot of the commentary around that is that while that sounds like a lot of money, it is kind of a drop in the bucket. Or Facebook and whether this will actually uh, result in any policy changes internally, don't know. It's not a 50, it's, it's an order of magnitude smaller is what a lot of people are saying. All right, that does it for technology news. Let's move on to... Oh, yeah. I don't know how to unmute this thing. <laughs> I've got it hooked up as USB input. I can't play the theme. You can't? I can't. I don't know how to do it. It's all muted and stuff. Oh, no. So, uh, pinball news. I'm a pinball nerd. Pin, 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 pin. Okay. So we'll figure that out. There is a, there is a hot rumor, which is all, hardly a rumor anymore. It's been pretty substantiated by leaked photos of the next Stern pinball machine. What? Then, when did they just announce one? This, no. No, no, no. The, uh, you're, maybe you're thinking of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Oh, that's, that's uh, that was Jersey, Jersey Jack. Jack. Got it. Um, so the last Stern pinball machine would have been um, the Black Knight, mm. Sword of Rage, which came out months ago, a couple months ago. And now their, their new game, which they haven't formally announced yet, so we don't know all the specs, is Jurassic Park. JP. It's based on the original film. Now, a lot, the rumor was it was going to be Jurassic World. So this is good news. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first movie. Maybe it's the first two. I have no idea. Or maybe was the, there was a third one, right? I never yeah, don't yeah, think I saw that. Here. In any case, um, 
probably designed by Keith Elwin, who did Iron Maiden, who's the world's best pinball player of all time, turned pinball designer. And if it is him, which all signs point to it is, this is going to be a game to watch. Jurassic Park. It's so got, it definitely has the Williams theme music in it. Uh, you see on the play field in the main area, there's a representation of the island, Isla Nubar. Yeah. And in the back you have, uh, in terms of toys, you got T-Rex, you got the Jeep. Yeah. People think it's, it looks like there's a ball in the T-Rex's mouth. The, yeah. the old Data East Jurassic Park pinball machine had a, had a T-Rex that ate the pinball. Oh. You would like come down and chomp it and then swallow it. That's a pretty complicated mech by today's terms. Um, but it does seem like there's a ball in this one's mouth. So it might be that like on the LE and the premium, like the more expensive version of the game, that the dinosaur eats the ball. If this kind of like how the thing from Adam's family would yeah, come yeah, like, out. Hey, yeah. Nice, yeah. What uh what do you think about the art? I'm a big fan of the Iron Maiden art. Um so I, it it but I'm I like that it's illustrated. Um I don't like it as much as Iron Maiden, but I like that it's illustrated and not photoshoppy. Yeah. Which is what Sturm has kind of a bad reputation for, or it had, did previously. Yeah. I went super sold on the art. The art yeah. a lot of very dense like dinosaurs one. These the screenshots we have are low res. Mm. I'm gonna hold my God. Opinion. I wish they would work with like a Mondo or something. Oh yeah. Use some some of that art. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean they they have their you know their Rolodex of artists that they work with. Yeah, yeah. Some are better than others. Uh, this weekend is also California Extreme in Santa Clara, California. Jeremy, you'll be there this year. I'll be there uh, the whole weekend. Yeah, I'll be. Th- it's only Saturday and Sunday. I'll be driving down Friday. Wow. With my boys because we're bringing back Star Lords to the show floor. Nice. The six player homage to Warlords that we made last year. Very cool. In, uh, Do you recommend this if you, for families? Adams. You can, like kids can come enjoy. Absolutely. I mean, for kids that like video games or want to experience the old days of video games, absolutely. For kids that don't like crowds, can't handle a lot of noise, maybe not. Maybe bring some earplugs. But I, yeah, um, my my nine year old daughter can't wait to go, so we're gonna take her this year. I'm gonna try to make it on Saturday. Oh, good. If possible. Are you gonna be there? I'm gonna try. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that does it for the pinball news. Mm-hmm. So let's get to our last section. Two more sections, right? No, no, no. We're skipping moment. Okay. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. Okay. Some stuff uh, in the VR world. So we had, first of all, an update to the Oculus Quest platform and venues coming to Quest. Yep. Do you ever use venues on Go? once to watch like a soccer game. I think there's yeah. a thing. I actually really want to try this out because I think there's a few sporting events. I told you that I'd be, uh, maybe even a concert that I'd want to see. Well, Tenacious D is coming up. So that might what? be worth, worth watching. What I found, like I don't use it either, but when I have used it, I've, it has this component that is very ready player one or very, you know, just futuristic. It's, you, you can see, because it's Facebook, obviously, so they yeah. know who, what groups you're a fan of, what, what, what you follow. And you can look around the auditorium and see all the people sitting there. But beneath them, they will, if you have things in common, it will highlight them. So it'll say, like, he follows Color DMD, which is like a pinball thing. Like, I would never know that in the real life. But that's, that's like what we want from augmented reality in the real world, eventually. Mm. But this is, it delivers that in, in VR, and I think that's super compelling. But, yeah, I'm... Can't say I use it that much because the actual presentations 
aren't great, but I'll, maybe they're, they've improved, and I, I'd like to check out Tenacious D with you if you want to do that. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So there are also some basic back, uh, just low-level updates. Guardian on the Quest gets an update, so it's supposed to be better, and this is an issue I had, and better at recognizing um, the play spaces. You don't have to create them, although and, recreating the... And remembering them. And remembering them between yeah. the rooms. You can also create different play spaces in the same spa- physical location now. Yeah, that's good. So that's, that's neat. Um, and then adjust things like the floor height without having to recreate your boundary specifically. See, I'd been told that it could already do that, where it, you could create multiple uh, guardians in the same space and you could walk between them. And I tried it, and it didn't work. Yeah. Well, so this, now, now it does. Now it does. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the improved controller tracking, which we saw with the Rift S, is also making its way to Quest. That's good. Or things like boxing, you know, Creed, I felt like I had an issue with that. Yep. So that's something that it's not going to be perfect, uh, but it will address a lot of people who wanted to play like Pavlov on, on Quest. And potentially Echo Arena. That's right. Uh, and then uh, on the Rift S, this is interesting. Apparently, uh, Passthrough Plus, now you can have it set up to pop in indefinitely, their um, stereo quick version. Yeah, maybe they saw our video because when I was talking about how you could project things into your world and basically have an AR headset. And so it's a dash button that you just click on and and have that pop up as opposed to needing to set up a guardian and walk outside your guardian. uh, But you can throw up things. It's still grayscale, presumably. Sure. Uh, But there's no plan, at least no announcement, for uh, enabling pass-through as a shortcut um, in Quest. Why not? Is it a processing thing? I think it's a power thing. Yeah. Yeah, it must be a power consumption issue. Well, we want it. I know. I know. Um, and then... Uh, that's basically all the updates. Oh, sorry. John Carmack. I was, I was, John what? Carmack had a... It's not all the updates. You got index shipping? No, no, no. I was talking about that's all the updates with this qu- official... Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. through their blog. Uh, John Carmack responded to some questions, and he uh, said that there will be Go emulation on Quest coming soon. This is cool, because we had heard that there would be... Um, You'd be able to use your quest with the lights out, yeah, and it would sort of emulate a, a, an Oculus Go that way. Because currently, it needs to be able to see in order to do its optical tracking of the headset and the controllers, right? So if your lights out, like your quest doesn't work. But it sounds like they're going a step beyond just uh, enabling a three-off mode, and they're actually supporting the entire former headset. So, so the, it will only be three-off. Well. Carmack said that some apps just magically work. With it, sixed off. Yeah. Like you, there's some, you can actually move your head comfort-wise. Right. Move it's, your head it's, in the space. It's like I'm sure that if they used the SDK and they didn't tweak anything thinking that it would simply be, you know, it's, if they left things alone yeah. when they were developing their Go app, those cameras might just automatically take on sixed off functionality yeah. now that you can move them. Hmm. That's cool. It's cool. There are a lot of Go apps you know, out, out there. It, it allows them to have a bigger library. Uh, I think one of the things they're realizing is the release cadence for content on Quest is probably less frequent than people would want because they have more, they've sold more units than they expected. So if they can open up the Go floodgates. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean the, on the media consumption side, yeah. there'll be a lot more to, to consume and enjoy. Uh, if you're waiting for a Valve Index system, I know, Jeremy, you have yours set up as well. Uh, you can get one in the U.S. basically in the next four days. The, they've caught up. Supply has caught up to demand. Now, I don't know if that's because demand has dropped because of the 
price or because of the thumbstick issue that people have had. I don't think um, so. Mine shipped way ahead of schedule, and that was before the thumbstick issue mm. arose. But also tells me that they're not doing anything to at least address <laughs> the thumbstick issue and not holding back on production. Unless they've already fixed it. Really curious. I, I, Has Valve actually had any statement about this? I think the in customer support emails, they've said that it is behaving as designed. As intended. Yeah. Yeah. And well, the fear my, is, of course, that... Both of my sticks have the, have the, the issue. Issue where you yeah. cannot depress them. If all. I'm going sideways. If I'm right. going forward, I can. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, it does... It, it's one of those things. Once you notice it... Yeah, it's only after you notice it. After you notice it. Even if it's not something you use regularly, it's like... Yeah, it, it, it bugs me a little bit. Um, Tetris Effect, we talked about last week, is out. It's on the Epic Game Store. Now, it has not been very well received uh, by the VR community. Apparently, it's a little bit buggy. And so I'd say hold off on it until either it comes out on Steam or until uh, it's been patched. But um, removing, like, the controller support is, is kind of funky. People want, like, gamepad, native gamepad support. And I don't think that's in there. Oh, weird. Um, so... It's a really good game. We played it on PlayStation, and it's a solid game. Like it would be great even on Oculus Go. I know, I know. I really want it on Quest. I hope, yeah. And but although Will made a good point, no D-pad on those controllers, and so you got to play. You know, well, no, I want gamepad support. Yeah, but I want track gamepad support. You don't want track gamepad. Why do you support. want track gamepad support? It's comfort. You want to see the gamepad? Yeah. It's do you see best... it in Tetris Effect? I don't. Uh, I don't remember. But it's one of the best parts about. PSVR. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, know what you, I know what you mean. You can yeah. look down and see, but you, it won't, you, know, you don't need that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Star Wars uh, Vader Immortal Episode 2. Um, so they've said that they, uh, the second episode will focus on Force Powers. Yep. Which is cool. Lightsabers were the first episode. There's an image of Vader doing Force stuff with his hands. So, and th- I think that the idea is you are his... Is it, is it a Padawan? I don't know. You are, he, he teaches you the ways of the Force. Mm. Uh, the worry is that we don't know when it's coming out. And I thought the spe- release cadence would be a lot more frequent. I thought it would be before, way before the end of this year. Yeah. It would make a lot more sense to you know, get people excited about Star Wars yeah. Unless they're Rise trying, of Skywalker. Yeah. Are they trying to just time it closer when media coverage of Rise of Skywalker is just out there? I would be shocked if we didn't get to at least preview it at Oculus Connect at the end of September. Yeah, maybe that's it. Just right. like a preview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wonder if they're going to keep the same pricing as well because the pricing was so good, ten dollars in the first one. Yeah, yeah. but if it's next year, it's a little disappointing. Like Again, forty minute thing. I mean, it was pretty short. Yeah, but there's a lot of replayability. I mean, people have gotten really good at the that's true. Games. Yeah. So this one, you imagine, is kind of force replay mode where you get into a force arcade like I you want, did I want, with. Oh, the, I want, why not stack? Why not have? Oh two no, heads? absolutely. Yeah, right? yeah, lightsaber and force. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can give free throat hugs to people, as one <laughs> cosplayer advertised them. Nice, nice. Um, and then uh, I didn't have this on the show notes, but I was listening to an interview with uh, John Carmack, or not John Carmack, John Favreau, who, who directed Lion King. He talked a little bit about the VR technology they used to make Lion King. Like their cinematographer had never worked with heavy CG effects, like they used for the entirety of this film. And they wanted to make Lion King, which I still haven't seen yet, but at like more like a nature documentary uh, filmed in like planet Earth. So they put on VR so you could see the set, almost like you're watching dailies. They recreated the entire set in Unity. <laughs> and they had the entire staff in consumer VR headsets, entire crew in VR headsets in a virtual video village 
and had and, and used their locomotion mechanics to walk around Pride Rock and set up their cameras and set up the shot and time of day and set up the their ideal lighting all as a shared collaborative VR filmmaking experience. Okay. The multiplayer aspect of that is super cool. Previously, studios and production companies and directors have had opportunities to use VR to frame like locations. Uh, but the multiplayer aspect, the fact that they got to make the film twice, once in VR and then once you know, using the, the, the uh, post with the real post uh, uh, technologies uh, is really, really cool. Uh, and they also talked about not really VR like, but um, John Favreau also is uh, uh, producing The Mandalorian. Yeah. And they're using Unreal Engine technology to render the backgrounds as a replacement for a green screen using video walls. And so they would have locations and they would have, instead of a green screen backdrop, a giant video wall that would be 360, including. That they actually use in production? That they use in production. And not only does it provide the luminance, because these LEDs can get real bright, Whoa. but they also can move with along with the camera yeah. to get parallax. So you get forced perspective parallax in the background Wait, as the camera Is it replaced, moves. though, later in post? No. What? Yeah. Because some of the, if, the, if you're using a good enough lens and, and you know, the depth of field is not going to reveal all that details, the video wall technology and the video game engine technology specifically. Wow. In Unreal for Mandalorian is good enough for background scenes for some of the shots. And they, they could do it all in camera. Okay. And all it is is creating virtual worlds. That's cool. That's super, super cool. I want to see that. Yeah. I'm um, sent there. John Pfeffer also did a uh, VR game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the fairy game. It was uh, Gnomes and Goblins, which um, there was some word on that and then it kind of disappeared. But the latest news is that it may not be dead and there could be a full, a full game version. But uh, the theory is that it might be a location-based experience as opposed to... Well, that's where the money is. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of money in that. Uh, I just want to say quickly about Tetris Effect. The, the good news here is that it is on another platform. It is on PC now. The fact that it's at Epic for a while just tells me that they've taken their turn in buying exclusivity like Sony did. Mm -hmm. But I'm just glad to see that it, it wasn't exclusive to Sony forever, that it will become it. So this tells me after a period of time, we'll see it everywhere else. That's good. You played that? It's a good little zone out game. You get into it. No, I haven't played it. All righty. Um, that does it for this week's episode. I know it's very Comic-Con heavy, but Comic-Con is once a year. We sure. didn't even talk, talk about Rick and Morty and the expanse. There's oh a ton gosh. of thoughts we left off. Uh, it is the beginning of con season. That's yeah. what it was. Two weeks, we'll be at Silicon Valley Comic-Con, or three oh, weeks. Wow, three weeks, yeah. In San Jose. A couple weeks after that, I'll be at Dragon Con, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is con time. Yeah, New York Comic-Con in October. I'll be at Replay FX in a week and a half. Wow, and of course, California Extreme this weekend. Yep. Hope to see some of you out there. Thanks, everyone. Wash your hands. By hand sanitizer. Hi. Don't, don't leave with too much con crud, you know, merchandise or <laughs> otherwise. And we have an outro this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we play an outro? Well, all right. Wow. We have ruined this. Because it's, it's muted. I, like, how would I unmute it? I don't know. Like, here's, this is my signal. I don't think I can. Like, we'll see. Why can't you unmute? I don't know. It's like, as you can see, my computer is permanently muted. Oh, change the output of the... 
You want me to go to the system? No, press? no, no. Can't you at the microphone? Oh boy, technical difficulties up here. Yeah, yeah. See, it's set on the roadcaster. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Here, I'm we, gonna, are, we are screwed. Flummoxed by the model. We did not figure this, think this through. Well, it was working before. That's. <laughs> seen a Andy Rooney before? Andy Rooney? Yeah, yeah. from 60 Minutes. Uh-huh. He used to do a bit like this. He did a thing? Like yeah, that? he used to complain about stuff really? that he didn't understand. He was flummoxed by the modern world. Flummoxed. How appropriate. Yeah. yeah. If you uh, want to create an outro for us, you can always... Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't see her. <laughs> I did the same thing last week. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. Same thing. People out there, you want to create... Thank you out there for, for those of you who've contributed outros, but you can always search on Google, Tested Podcast Outro, and there's a SoundCloud. You can download uh, the template, and then you can just post in our forums or send us a DM or email me, and, uh, and we'll play it in a future episode. But that's it. Let's get some lunch. See ya.